Instead of names and dates, let's focus on the narrative. I'm Adam Blesky. Each month I sit down with a friend to have a real conversation about a part of history that's new to them. The goal is to make connections, to foster curiosity, and to appreciate how incredible the story of humanity truly is. I'm not an expert. This isn't a lecture. This is HI 101. stamp for this episode yet it's a long one i originally planned to do about an hour of questions and answers but all of you had a lot of questions and well we spent a lot of time answering them it turns out that when i open things up to people they're more curious about the show itself which i really wasn't expecting but i decided to kind of roll with it so that's what you'll be getting today apologies in advance for sound quality uh we were working with a less than ideal setup but it's absolutely listenable we have a lot of ground to cover, so without any further ado, let's begin. All right, we're here on HI 101 with Phil Downing. Yo, what's up? And Kevin Miller. Hey, it's Kevin. It's Kevin. <laughs> we're doing a kind of a weird episode today. We're doing a, a Q&A episode because I got too sick to record. Oh, it sounds like you're better now, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm feeling much better. It's just, it, it was it was that plus scheduling stuff, plus like, my computer died? We're doing this off of my laptop? Did I tell you guys about this? You mentioned it in text. My, my power supply just straight up failed. It was Did it fry anything? Really? No, uh, I don't know yet. <laughs> I, just got my, I just got my replacement uh, yesterday by courier, so I haven't had time to install it yet. Um, we're, we're hoping everything's fine. See how it goes, fingers crossed. Oh, man. Uh, I, I think it just died, though. I don't think it surged. But anyways, this is great history talk, you guys. <laughs> Isn't it? It's the history of your computer. It's 20-year-old, man. Yes. We're, we're breaking it left, right, and center. That other thing. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're, we're, we, I, uh, I reached out to listeners on maybe getting some questions. We had talked about doing like a bunch of like history questions, but it turns out that everyone's kind of more interested in uh, process on how I make the podcast, so I figured, hey, let's just do that instead. So Phil and Miller are going to help me out with uh, kind of the, the, the guest side of recording all of this stuff. Our own skewed perspective. <laughs> and uh, well, because it, it, it's helpful. I'm kind of deep in on my side. I don't know oh, what it's fair, like for yeah. you guys all the time. So uh, yeah. And like, to be fair, Miller and I are no, what's the word? Strangers to content creation on the web. That's true. You guys we consume a lot of it. <laughs> okay. You've been on, <laughs> that case, you've yeah, been on podcasts. Yeah, so I, I, that, yeah. I've got a Twitch thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys do enough stuff that yeah. uh, you've got yeah. a bit of an idea of how that goes. But um, yeah, let's. I say we just jump right in, see how it goes. I've got questions right now from you guys. Uh, I got a lot of questions. If I didn't include something from you, uh, please don't take it too hard. I just had too many. The first question is actually one that I get a lot. Um, how long does it take for you to use an episode topic? From research to recording to editing to publishing. And that's from Ian. Um, Can I jump in here? Yeah, sure. Ian forgot a step. What's that? Negotiating the topic with the guest. Because <laughs> uh, that can take some time. Well, yeah. I mean, 
not not of actual work of, of waiting for someone to reply to something maybe but uh yeah that, that is definitely a step but when you're on like a fairly tight monthly schedule and someone's like hey can i be on next month i don't know what i want to talk about i'll get back to you in a week and a half maybe yeah <laughs> i imagine i can be like okay i'm sitting here twiddling my fingers not researching anything well that one's actually got a hard deadline for the most part because i need to know by the 15th uh or slightly before the 15th of the previous month because at the end of part two of every episode, I will tell you guys what's coming up, mm -hmm. which means I need to know what's coming up. Yeah. So yeah, that can get a little harrowing if we're sitting at like the 12th and someone's still humming and hawing. But uh, yeah, overall, I wouldn't say it's a massive amount of time put into it. I have a live question. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you get the topics ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And based on what you just said, it sounds possible that you might get the topic just before you say what it is on a podcast sometimes have you ever agreed to do a topic and then done the research already announced that you're doing this topic and then found that it doesn't really fit the the show i think there was a time recently where he i don't remember what the topic was but he had announced that it was going to be and then expanded it for actual discussion um trying to think what topic that would have done. I it, was a, it was a reasonable one guys i do so many of these shows so sometimes <laughs> the specific memory is not that great um maybe it was the october crisis yeah i think i think the october crisis i think you're right because i mean really the october crisis is such a small portion of of what happened in quebec there that it doesn't really make sense to talk about just that you know couple of months period that and that couple of months period i mean we're all canadian we kind of get some of the context between uh, English and French Canada, mm -hmm. and you know anyone that's listening from outside of Canada, which is the majority of my listeners, yeah. isn't going to have that. And there are plenty of Canadians that don't really. Ten percent of them might have heard of Quebec. It, well, <laughs> I, I don't think it's quite that bad, but yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Eleven percent, full eight. So, so I decided that I'd take that as kind of a, an opportunity to talk about like the last half century of of Quebec's history because it's it's a topic that I really enjoy and and is really important to me and isn't necessarily that well known because you know even even in Canada we don't necessarily acknowledge it that much um certainly internationally it's it's not that big of a a topic so oh, sure I mean we're, we're a country that's known for being you know cool and peaceful and so on we don't like to really advertise our brush with domestic terrorism <laughs> oh man there's there's lots that Canada doesn't like to <laughs> advertise to the outside world but that's that's okay um hey we were talking about how long it takes to record stuff <laughs> A long time because of conversations like this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I sat down and I kind of mapped it out. I figure the research is the hardest one to pin down because depending on the topic, research takes more and less more or less time. And honestly, different topics take different. Like, you know, I I don't really track um, how much time I'm working on it. I'll sit down and I'll work on it for half an hour, or I'll sit down and work on it for two hours straight, or just whatever. It's not like I'm clocking in on it, right? Like so. You also have guests like me who know your background is mostly in European history. Yeah. And I love to specifically throw everything non-European your way. <laughs> yeah, so I have to do a little bit of extra sideline research just because I expect Phil to throw something. I don't think I have me. either, actually. <laughs> um, so anyways, yeah, research maybe 6 to 12 hours depending on the topic average. Um, Recording, it's gotten longer as the podcast has gotten longer. Uh, I think we're up to around four hours when you guys come over. Mm -hmm. Sound about yeah. right? 
Right. At least. Um, and I mean, well, <laughs> when there's not an April episode in there. Okay, that, yeah. That, <laughs> doing, doing a regular episode and an April Fool's episode in the same episode is absolutely an outlier. That was a, that was a long day. Not to mention the time you and I recorded an hour-long podca- comics podcast in between breaks by accident. Right. So I'm trying to give people an average <laughs> sense of how this goes. Um, from, you know, someone getting in the door to getting set up, testing levels, all of that stuff, to... Playing with cats. Uh, yeah, all of that, taking breaks grabbing water uh usually you're in and out in four hours editing three to four hours per episode so six to eight total kind of thing i, I do a lot of editing on these episodes just because there's a lot of dead air though just the, the, the format of like the way we record it just kind of lends itself to it there's lots of times where we kind of get off on a tangent that doesn't make sense to include or it takes me a while to figure out how to phrase something that you know I, I try it two or three times and I realize you know what that third time was a quarter of the length of all of that and it gets to the heart of everything just <laughs> fine so I mean I, I just cut that stuff out for the most part just for a better listening experience I mean I don't write a script right like and and, and you guys don't have scripted questions that you come in with we just sit down and talk and that I think is really important to the feel of the podcast. Yeah, that's the magic of the show. But yeah. I, I also think that it really ends up lending itself to a bit of bloating time-wise. Yeah, I mean, from the guest perspective, like we come in, research is already done clearly, um, and Adam sits in front of us with two to three pages of typed bullet points sectioned off into like what is basically going to become the four segments of the monthly podcast. Mm-hmm. And... We just go from there. It's it's not like again. It's completely unscripted. We find ways to talk about it. There's a lot of interruptions and tangents and yeah. stuff that you tend to go off on. And you know, so. you know that reaction gif of the guy who like marches in off the side of the camera with a folding chair, yeah. opens up and says, "Disco and be good." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. me every time I get to your place because <laughs> like I don't know what's coming. Yeah, I just know I'm in for a really cool story. Yeah, and I just like sit down and like, okay, let's go. Yeah. So, you know, total that comes out to 16 to 24 hours total per month if I'm going on estimates and averages. Um, you know, spending 20 hours of my month on this podcast is not, you know, that, that, that's about right. Uh, it's about an extra, you know, half of a work week. So uh, it's a lot of time. Um, it's a lot more than some, you know, weekly podcasts spend on it just because, <laughs> you know, it's, well, I mean, it's, it's just, it's not... You don't have to do the same level of prep work, no, right? No. You don't. It, it, it's a lot of stuff that just I've made harder on myself than maybe I needed to. But I did that because I wanted the podcast to feel polished and 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 uh, like you were getting a little bit better experience out of it. Yeah, I rose my hand there for people not in the studio right now because for uh, the crossover podcast, which is me and uh, Matt Pierce basically reacting to like comic book news and shows and Game of Thrones episodes, it's basically like we watch an episode of something or a movie, get on, have four beers and, and yell over each other. It's completely <laughs> unprofessional and requires no editing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was on a podcast one time. I think it was up with him. No, yeah, like that half was, hour of us and, recording it. and that was after you and i had like gone to the bar for a few hours and yeah. had a couple drinks <laughs> yeah that was that was an experience um so yeah it's it's a lot of work but um you know i i've figured out how to fit it uh, fit it into my schedule and uh it works out just fine for me i'm, I'm really happy with the product that comes out of it so this uh this next question is from a phil downey i haven't heard of that guy um, i hate him sounds like sure <laughs> How, how do you choose topics, he, he says, with other guests? And is there a difference recording with different guests? Um, oh, have you been on the show before? <laughs> no, I don't actually know why I'm here. 
choosing topics, it, it's it's different every time, even even uh, with the same person, because sometimes somebody will have something on their mind that they're really interested in doing, or they've been thinking about it since the last time that they were on, and they'll come to me and they'll say, yes, I want to do this. Or sometimes I talk to somebody and they really want to be on, but they have no idea. And what ends up happening is uh, I start throwing ideas at them until they you know, there's, there's something there that they want to try out. European country A, European country B. It's not, <laughs> no, 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 come I, on. I was actually going to ask, Phil, if you've ever done one of those. Where an, an, epi- an episode where you didn't have a topic necessarily and Adam suggested one, or at least kind of sort of refined an idea that you brought to the table. So it's no secret that I love the movie V for Vendetta. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you actually approached me about doing the gunpowder plot. I don't know if you recall. Yeah, there's there's been a couple of times where a specific topic, I, I went to a guest and said, hey, I think we should do this because it fits with that person so well. Yeah. Not many of them. I, I try as much as possible to get the guest to choose the topic, even if it ends up being from a short list. Mm-hmm. When I have someone on, I don't want them coming on to do a topic that they aren't interested in. I want them to come on to talk about something that intrigues them because what's the point of sitting there and boring someone for four hours? That's not going to be good for literally anyone. It's not going to be good for the guests. It's not going to be good yeah. for me. It's not going to be good <laughs> for the audience. It's just a bad listening experience. So as much as possible, you know, even if it comes down to, listen, here's five or six topics I've been curious about lately. Do any of these appeal to you? Um, if none of them appeal, we'll keep digging. Um, and, and sometimes that does happen. Usually usually it doesn't take too long, but but it does happen once in yeah. a while. One of the, my favorite ones that I've been on, possibly my favorite one that I've been on, was the Atten Heresy, mm. where I had no idea what that was. Yeah. <laughs> you asked if I wanted to be on the show. I, I think I might have had a couple suggestions that wouldn't really pan out or weren't even really historically based. Because right. I tend to pick like more scientific topics. Mm-hmm. But that one is like, you gave me a Cliff Notes version of it. I had no idea what I was going into, but I knew that it had to do with like, you know, the idea of a, a monotheistic society mm-hmm. or a, a polytheistic society suddenly becoming monotheistic. Yeah. And that appealed to me yeah. from like someone who played hours of civilization and, and played a lot of Dungeons and Dragons where, you know, people are assuming and knowing that gods are real and, yeah. and this is what their purviews are and so on. Yeah, it's yeah. a really dramatic story and it's not one that's like... It doesn't get the the same kind of like pop culture play as uh, I don't know Julius Caesar or something no, like course. that. Um, so so you know that was one that I threw out there, knowing that like, hey, this will make a good show if you're curious about it. And if you listen to that and gone, this sounds dumb, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have done it. And I might have offered it to somebody, but uh, somebody else at some point. But you and I wouldn't have done that. I have I have two thoughts here. Mm-hmm. One, we should have a checklist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That has a list of everyone who's been on the show yeah. as rows and as columns, various interests that we seem to share. So right. Civilization, Game of Thrones, Star yeah. Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The list goes on, Lord of the Rings. Sure. And see see who, who's who got the gaps there. Knowing the sort of people that have been on the show that I've met, I mean, I imagine that Venn diagram will approach a circle. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be pretty close. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah, well... The, no comment. <laughs> the, uh, the second one is a more, you know, on-topic thing. I know we're already pulling back the curtain a bit, but if I can pull it back a bit further, Go relevant to the, the topic we were just discussing. Yeah, if I don't like it, I'm just going to cut it Exactly. <laughs> you pitched me the October Crisis. Yeah. Before you... I don't even remember who you ended up doing it with. Uh, Paul. Paul, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and it's just... I'm somewhat familiar with the story already. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I'm sure I have a lot to learn, but I just was not... I wasn't feeling it. Yeah. And, like, we passed on that, and we came up with... Oh, you know what? You pitched... Um, 
Irish uh, independence to me too. Mm-hmm. But yeah. that was a no-brainer for me to say yes to. I was like, that was a great awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, it had been on my mind ever since I did the um, the World War One before and after with my brother, mm-hmm. uh, because there were just the barest shadows of mentioning um, Irish independence in that, and it was kind of like, you know, I don't really know anything about this. You know, I, I'd like to get more into it, but. I spend so much time on this podcast that there's only so much like, you know, for me interest <laughs> history reading that I do. There's a little bit, but I, I mean, a lot of my, you know, if I'm going to sit down and I'm going to read about history, it's probably going to be research for the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why not roll that together? Right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, then I, then I repitched it to Paul and he, he was very into the idea. So it, it happens. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't work out for one person and it works out for someone else. And the reason that you had to pitch me something is because literally everything I threw at you was either super obscure or we didn't know much about it from a historical purpose. Yeah. I think a bunch of them you said were digging more into anthropology at that point. Yeah, Phil Yeah, Phil picks a lot of like, how, how did agriculture start? Yeah, and it's like, like ancient, like, ancient stuff, yeah. <laughs> but like, that's where my gaps are, right? And sure. I want to know that stuff. It's just that it doesn't really technically fit into no, history. No, it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah. Right. Well, that's why the, Wikipedia for that shit. That's, yeah. that's why the first episode of the show got me so hooked because it was the formation of Russia and it starts with like roving bands of horse archers. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, all right, I can get into this. Yeah. <laughs> well, that felt like such a good topic to me because it's like you just... Russia's this huge landmass mm. and this huge group of people. Yeah. And, you know, through school and through English class even, we just learn a lot about Germanic languages and by association, Germanic tribes. And Extremely how that all... like Western European. Yeah. Like it's... in Canada here, our, our, our education is incredibly Western European with like a, a definite like British slant. I was just like, so how did Russia? Yeah. And how did, how did Korea? Yeah. <laughs> Why even is Russia? <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, what I was going to say then is like the, the first topic that I picked for the very second episode of the podcast, I'm like, okay, we've already done one of these huge country, their entire, the founding of that entire Russian civilization. Let's drill down and go micro. Let's do Tedison, Tes- Edison and Tesla. Yeah. And let's, you know, show how widely varied this show can be. Yeah. So in terms of like, do different people pick different topics? Yeah, absolutely. Miller, you like the scientific topics. Uh, Phil, you tend to... Origin of X. Yeah. <laughs> Generally, uh, Gary has been uh, more religious topics. Um, just he, he ends up being a really good guest for those. Like yes. he's he's very knowledgeable about that stuff. I I for some reason like Middle Ages church history I find so interesting. And it's like, man, I found someone else that wants to talk about yeah. this. Great, let's do it. Um, he did the Lutheran episode, correct? Yeah, yeah, okay. the, the the Reformation. Hey, the yeah. the uh, five hundredth anniversary of that's come up at the end of the month hey. on uh, on halloween dang yeah actually uh so it's no secret that i'm way behind on the episodes of this show sure but to prep for this i listened to another episode just yep. to get me back in the headspace of mm-hmm. what the show is about yep. and i was listening to the knight's templar episode oh yeah and you even mentioned in that that you were trying to find some connection for colin to napoleon or conquerors or something yeah because he's got this whole like yeah he, he did a number of episodes that were about like like these sort of great men of history, kind of big, sweeping, uh, you know, imperial topics. Um, you know, it, it's not, I don't, I don't necessarily want to get to a spot where, um, you know, sorry, Miller, we're not doing this topic because it's not about <laughs> science. Like, I think yeah, that's a garbage way of doing it. But it, it was interesting, especially early on, where I was like, oh, these people are interested in these topics. Let's see if we can stick around there. 
Well, and that's kind of what the trouble that I've been having coming up with topics and stuff like that is, you know, when I can't think of something, I go back to my interest, which is science. And then I try to think of something that is a history podcast still, right? <laughs> but not just a science podcast. Mm -hmm. And so like the astronomy one, I think might be, uh, might just barely edge out the Atten heresy because it was, you know, from ancient dawn of civilization yeah. to present. That one was a little more successful than I thought it was going to be, to be perfectly honest with yeah. you, just because it was so, so big. Broad, yeah. yeah, it was very ambitious, but I think it came out to be... Pretty, pretty cohesive, um, which was great. It's also fun to get kind of weird with your topic choices. Like, yeah, definitely. As much as it's a shame that we couldn't do agriculture, like that's a weird topic to think for a history podcast, right? I, I love when people go off book yeah. with stuff like that. Um, Yumiko is great for that. Her topics are never like she, she's just she's never gonna ask about world war ii or something right <laughs> yeah, like she's yeah. not like that's yeah. that's not what's curious or that's not what's uh, what's interesting to her and and she ends up going with you know piracy or jazz or yeah. you know all these all Which these kind of yeah, yeah. Right. that tea episode though. oh, the oh tea no episode. spoilers i'm so excited to get we'll, to that one. we'll talk about the tea one a little bit later um we're, we're we're barely moving through these questions guys um is there is there a difference recording with different guests um technically yeah like you guys have very different approaches to the microphone like being being recorded is weird so literally technically yeah yeah, yeah. no no, no. I, that's that's what i meant from a technical standpoint um it's 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 odd being recorded and it's odd having this microphone in your face especially the first time you've ever done it and some people get super quiet and some people get really loud and some people you know start quiet and go loud and it, uh paul, why are you guys looking at me <laughs> paul paul actually works in radio yeah. And he's impossible to record for because I'm used to recording people who have zero like professional uh, experience with this. He's got this deep voice. It's super loud. And yeah. for some reason, it just cuts through everything. So I've got everything on him turned like way down. And it's still like, how are you still like louder than I am? <laughs> I, it's just he's got no fear of the microphone. So yeah. he's he stands out for me as like being very different to record for. Um, but, it, you know, I, I think in general, I've, I've gotten better at the technical side of things and and i'm doing better at kind of compensating for all of that stuff so um but yeah it, it, it makes a big difference who's in the chair across from me well have we ever talked about our sort of pre-recording ritual about how we just have a conversation with the mic on so that you can listen to it um yeah that's that's basically all there is really yeah. is to it is, is we do some some test recording um sometimes that'll make it onto the uh outtakes reel or whatever but other than that it's just throw away it's, it's test data right it's usually just us catching up for a few minutes yeah i haven't seen you in a couple months what's up and yeah put the chat. headphones on it's like no phil get closer to the mic get closer to the mic yeah. get closer to the mic yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah there are certainly some guests that i prefer listening to and maybe it's the subject matter maybe it's the chemistry between adam and the guest you know everyone has their favorite guest i hear it all the time like hey this person's my favorite that person's my favorite that's for, great for me it's phil and paul but i like you and for coming up with the interesting topics as yeah well. yeah for sure. doing a little victory dance here yeah <laughs> I, I think you're up there phil for a lot of people yeah i, I would say that's accurate <laughs> even people that i've introduced who have never really? met you who have been like yeah i like that phil guy and i'm like you should meet him <laughs> yeah i i wasn't really planning on naming names we were gonna make it some <laughs> <I am. laughs> into a contest here but yeah phil phil gets uh, mentioned fairly often i um, find that first very flattering and be a little hard to believe but i guess I did find that one Reddit comment where the guy was like making jokes about all the guests. And yeah, he came up with the drinking game. Yeah, that was weird. Oh no, I have to see this now. Uh, yeah, so, oh, no. somebody, somebody on Reddit came up with a with an HI one on drinking game, and uh, I forget what they all were. I just let's, remember let's mine. Just, let's just put it this way: I don't think it'd be a very successful game. It would, it would either go way too slow or way too fast. Yeah, I'm so worried now. <laughs> 
Um, yeah. Uh, I'll, yeah, we'll do that off All right. <laughs> um, how do you find reliable sources for information when there can be a lot of contradicting information on topics as far back as you have covered? That's from Patrick. Part of history education is learning to evaluate sources, is I think the, the short version. Um, and if I could actually go on a bit of a tangent here, I, I talk about going to school for, for history all the time. I should mention, I've never actually graduated. I'm a couple uh, credits short. You know, school's a rough time, had a bunch of medical stuff going on, never finished. Mm -hmm. That being said, I went to all the classes and because I failed a few of them, I've been to more classes than a lot of people who have graduated. <laughs> I actually have a bit of that too. <laughs> and uh, well, I think, I think you know, the older I get, the more I realize that that's a common story oh, for a lot of people, right? And, and you know, I, I kind of skirt around a, a little bit on the show because history's got a lot of gatekeeping stuff going on. There's a lot of like, this person isn't a real historian, right? And that's part of the reason I have a disclaimer at the beginning. Like the, the, you know, if you get really, really specific historian is someone who is working in history in an academic capacity, adding new information to the topic. And that's not something I do. And that's fine. I'm a history podcaster. I'm an entertainer more than anything else, but no, I, I, I don't have my degree, but you know what? Neither does my favorite history podcaster who gets millions of downloads and mm -hmm. uh, is incredibly successful. Um, neither are some of the most, famous um, or, or well-known, I should say, uh, history authors out there. You've heard of Guns, Germs, and Steel? Yeah. That guy's an ecologist. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 1491. You heard of that one? Oh. No? It's about pre-Columbian contacts. Oh, yes. You and I were talking about Yeah. That, that guy's a journalist. He, he didn't go to school. I kind of guessed it might be about <laughs> And And my, my point isn't to, like, call out a bunch of people for not having the education. It's to say that, like, man, like, it's a, it's a weird... It's, it's as bad as science uh, in, in terms of, like, popular information being out there where all of a sudden there's these comments about how Bill Nye isn't a real scientist. No, no, he should, he should sit down. He's not contributing research to the field. It's like, that's okay. Like, the information that he's giving is good, mm -hmm. usually. Maybe that was a bad choice, but, like, <laughs> it, it, it's, a, it's a better known choice. Um, you got to be careful on the appeals to authority for stuff like this, right? If you guys want to look up the stuff that I'm putting out there... You know, go for it. By all means, please. If you find mistakes, please let me know. I want them to be right. I don't care. Um, uh, on the website, when you post an episode, do you list your sources or no? No, I don't list my sources, but that's mostly because I just don't, don't want to be have... second-guessed. <laughs> well, I, I, don't, I don't have time. Oh, okay, okay. I, I don't have time to do up a bibliography on top of everything else that I'm doing. I'm not even keeping up with corrections these days because uh, no one seems to miss them. Um, and, and that's the biggest reason is, is if, I'm, if I'm running behind on time, they're the first thing that I'm going to not post. Uh, I've got all of them. I just need to finish adding links and stuff like that and put them on the podcast or on the on the website. But in any case, all of this came from from learning to evaluate sources. And that's that's stuff that I have been working on for years and years and years. And um, yeah, a lot of it is to take a source, look at who it is, where they came from, why they're writing it down, read it with a critical mind, and and kind of go, okay, like what are they trying to accomplish here? Like, is this uh, basically a puff piece where they're just trying to put paint, uh, paint this in? as good a light as possible mm -hmm. um you know maybe we need to be careful about some of the stuff they say is this a takedown piece well maybe this is a little more negative than it should be if you get both a puff piece and a takedown that's great because you can kind of take it right down the middle and feel fairly confident about where you are um mm. is this um kind of referred to obliquely in a, in a uh, source that really has no skin in the game that's usually <laughs> going to be more accurate than anything else in terms of like specific places i go for info um Google Scholar is really fantastic, and I think a lot of people don't know it exists. Did you guys use JSTOR at all when you were in school? I actually used both. Yeah. Um, so it's... it's um, was it programming and accounting? <laughs> yeah, well, it's... It's, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, 
it's Google, but it's re- it's restricted entirely to like academic sources. So mm-hmm. you know, published uh, articles oh, okay. and, and papers and things like that. And it's really useful for stuff like this because you can cut out all the you know guy who has a Knights Templar you know GeoCities page because yeah, yeah. while that is very entertaining. It's maybe not the most accurate thing in the world, right? I'm imagining like the crest just going left, right. Oh left, man, right, you have left, no right. idea. Under construction. <laughs> the two frame gift. It's got a Templar <laughs> digging. <Speaking of> all, <laughs> coming 2003. He, he is burying. He's burying the, the Holy Grail secrets. <laughs> just secrets in general. Um, yeah, no, I, that's really useful. I have a ton of my old textbooks still. I have other history books I've come into over the years for various reasons. Um, sometimes I'll, I'll even buy books for the, the topic if I feel like I'm not really supported well enough from some of those other sources. I've gone to the library a couple times. Guys, it's still a valid place to this find information. <laughs> no, libraries are great. Um, I go on Wikipedia for some stuff. Uh, I, I'm sure people are gasping, like, calm down. If I want to know what year some king was born, Wikipedia is fine. It's, it's really good for framing things out. Yeah, anyone who gets upset about that. So, I mean, I've graduated already, so they can't take anything away from me. But a lot of my global studies research was done through Wikipedia, then later verified. Yeah, it's great for actual sources. Yeah, it's great for framing things out. The other thing is that they source all of their stuff, so you can follow the footnotes on Wikipedia and find some really good stuff out there. You just, I literally would take, just, I would write my essay, more or less, Mm -hmm. uh, from my global studies minor, from Wikipedia, just, you know, point form. Then I would write it long form, and somewhere in between there, I would go and follow Wikipedia's sources down their rabbit holes, mm. and then be like, okay, now I have it. Is this academic or not? If yeah. it's not, let's find something that covers this topic that is academic. Yeah. It, it's a good place Wikipedia to start. is totally effective at this, as long as you understand that you have to do your due diligence yes. on the information you get from it. That's, that's the key, really, is finding multiple sources, and that's how you find the ones that are bad, is, is the ones that can't be backed up anywhere else. Um, as far as, like older stuff which is one of the things that patrick asked about yeah sometimes you get to a point where you just have to acknowledge like all the sources on this are bad and what ends up happening at that point is you'll hear me saying a lot of things along the lines of like as best we can tell or uh probably what happened or general consensus is or um the archaeological record seems to suggest or like a lot of weasel words like that but it's because like i you have to admit like we we don't know for sure History is about what we have on record, right? Like that's that's the core of it. And if we don't have good records or we don't have any records, I barely have any business being there with this podcast if we want to get like fairly particular about our, our criteria. Um, when we have to fill in gaps, like we just have to do our best and acknowledge that the gaps aren't necessarily that strongly filled. So, I mean, that's all there is to that. And I, I wish I had a little bit better answer for that, but I, I mean, that's... That's what history is, is, is doing our, our best to verify with multiple sources, uh, take it back to primary sources as much as possible, and uh, be really critical of our sources, no matter how much we think we trust them. You've got you to gotta check into what they were trying to accomplish when they wrote it down. Uh, kind of a sub-question to this question, mm-hmm. but quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, how much more difficult is it to research those topics that didn't happen, like the witch trials and the conspiracy theories and so on? Well, I mean, so the witch... I imagine there's tons of false tracks in that sort of regard. So, yeah, I mean, the witch trials is a great one because um, while there obviously were not witches in, yeah. <laughs> in Europe in the Middle Ages... Um, we did have witch trials and that's a thing that I have records of and we can talk about. And we can also talk about sort of 
um, the cultural motivations behind it because there is a lot of writing on stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And what you get is a lot of bad sources that are bad for the same reason tell a story. And it's not the specific story that they've told in those sources, right? But mm -hmm. if all of them are these weird lies that seem to have no basis except this one original source, it's kind of like, okay, well... That's the story. <laughs> that's, that's where they're getting all of this. Or, you know, there's these weird uh, justifications that seem to be entirely religious in nature. It's kind of like, okay, well, they're paying more attention to this than what's actually happening. Uh, stuff like that. And as far as the, the conspiracy theory ones go, it depends on the subject. Sometimes it's a matter of, uh, you know, with the moon landing, the moon landing did happen, and so we can do the research on the actual moon landing mm -hmm. um, and more specifically on the subtopic of moon landing deniers who have been around forever and what their specific claims are and then refuting those claims using historical uh, data. Um, so there's always information, right? Like it's just a matter of how you approach getting the information. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's what having done too many years of, of history classes uh, makes you really good at is, is figuring out, okay, 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 what's what's the best approach to uh, pulling together a cohesive story out of all of this? I'm just picturing you like with your brow furrowed going through conspiracy site after conspiracy site, just being like, oh. No, because I mean, there's already scholarship on those conspiracy theories that, okay. I, can, that I can use as a starting point. So you have a buffer there. I do, I do. I, I mean, I usually jump on those sites just to see what's going on, but that's almost more for my own enjoyment than anything okay, else. Okay. Fair enough. Um, how weird is it that we can't find documented cause of death for Paul Sauvé? That's from Kimberlyn Crow. You're not caught up on this. There was a premiere of Quebec um, for about eight months, 1959 to 1960, who died in office. And I cannot for the life of me find out how he died, what he died of. Like, cause of death. Interesting. I checked out his official biography on the... Uh, the National Assembly, like the legislature's official site, their official biography for the guy, no cause of death listed. Nowhere can I find cause of death listed. Yeah, it's super weird. It's a little hanky. Um, most people that I've talked to off the record have speculated that probably something untoward happened there. And not untoward like murder, like untoward as in, you know, found in a hotel room somewhere kind of untoward. Um, which is possible. I don't, I, I, I don't know. But we may never know. it is very weird for somebody who is alive you know, only 60 years ago to not have a listed cause of death, especially when they're that important of uh, say a public figure. profile public figure. Yeah. Here. So, uh, yeah, the answer is super weird. Yep. Any chance of doing an episode on historiography? That's from David. Maybe someday. Historiography is such a niche subject. It's basically this, the study of how history has been uh, written and interpreted and studied over the years. And so it's a lot more about sort of schools of thought on like how to approach history uh, than anything else and like there are things that happen that you could talk about there are different like people who have come up and like rocked the world of history with new interpretations and stuff like that you can get into how um for example marxist history has um you know where it came from why it was popular for a while how it got kind of uh or fell out of fashion after a while what elements of it still exist in history interpretation and and teaching today but like i don't know if people want that necessarily i mean i know some people want it i don't know if i have any guests that want it is a problem like we talked about earlier right? yeah do you remember the episode of community where abed makes a film about a filmmaker yeah. trying to find the truth of filmmaking sure yeah i do <laughs> do you see where i'm going with this i do it I sounds do. like a history topic for history buffs about history. it very much is it very much is and and that's i i, I don't think that's what hi 101 is this no. this show is about telling history to people who thought they didn't like history. That was kind of the, the core idea when we started the show. 
so I, I, I don't know if I'm ever going to get into that. Uh, for, you know, just for David and the few other people who have you know, asked me about it, I, I will put it out, I, I will put this out there. HR 101 falls very squarely into a, a school of history called narrative history, which is specifically rather than, you know, taking everything and like interpreting it through a specific lens, trying to um, express history as, as a story, as it happened, telling what happened. Specifically, it's modern narrative history, which means that uh, like in, in, in traditional narrative history, it's like there's a start point and there's an end point and tell all the things in the order that they happened and that's what you tell. Modern narrative history is this idea of, okay, when you need context, cut away. Yeah. Like give context. Um, and I think that's really important. So, um, you know, if you're looking to place this show somewhere, that's where it is. It does a few things. Number one, it's probably the most entertaining field of history. Number two, as someone who does things on the more creative end of things, I find it easier to work in because basically you're reinterpreting a story that already happened and you're just recontextualizing it. But with fun facts and information to make it all make sense and to help your world make sense and to help make other things that you know about the past make sense. You know, a lot of what historiography is about is that gatekeeping that we talked about with history, right? This idea of like, well, that's the wrong way to go about doing history. And I don't really want to get into that that much. <laughs> like, it, it, it's kind of... It's a fun podcast for fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? I think you just summed it up yep. better than I could have. Yeah, listen. <laughs> who cares? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, the, 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 the history nerd part of me kind of cares. The part of me that wants to make a good, fun that people want podcast, to listen to. <laughs> doesn't want to do that. Yeah. I just don't want to get into it. It sucks. No, and nor do I necessarily want to be a guest on that episode. <laughs> I don't know who would be. I could do it, but I would have a lot of like, that's dumb. Yeah. This is dumb. Yeah. Everything about this is dumb. I, I wouldn't stop. I wouldn't so talk. much I would of have this nothing is dumb. To say. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, I mean, there's there's some interesting stories in there. I'd be able to pull something interesting out of it. I just don't think I can pull anything as interesting as so many other topics out there that mm. I don't know that I'll ever really get to it. I don't think it's worth it. Yeah. Well, you've you've seen some of the stuff on my short list. Yeah. And like, I guarantee that were the research not so enormous for some of those topics, they would be much more fun. Oh, for sure. And like, that's just me. So you have a reservoir of how many different guests that you pull from, mm. not to mention your own ideas. Yeah. I think they're all going to be more interesting than biography. Yeah. Well, if a guest is the same idea, then I mean, at least they want to hear about it. Yeah. <laughs> you can extrapolate that. Some uh, some nerd named Phil Downey asks... Uh, that guy again? I've heard of him <laughs> this time. Just won't leave me alone. He's so obsessed with me. <laughs> what, what do you think of humor as a tool for education? I think it's great. I also think that the format of HI 101 doesn't really make it into a humor uh podcast per se because i don't think i can be that funny for that extended of a period of time while also creating an emergent narrative about history well, <laughs> it's a lot of work I, I you know i i don't know how much that comes through in the in the show that's a hard four hours for me i i you know i'm, I'm going pretty hard i don't know how that feels for you guys on the other end but uh it, well i can understand why it'd be tricky uh i do like when you hit me with a fun fact that i'm like wow i would not have seen that coming and then sure. i I'd react basically in that way and we kind of laugh and goof about it i like when we can make references to like hmm. game of thrones for a little while yeah <laughs> like if, that's that's not necessarily humor but it's fun yeah if, if we get a chance to riff or whatever that's that's yeah, a good yeah. time but like the thing is another another core tenet of the show if you want to call it that is like this is supposed to be us sitting down and, and talking about history and like yeah obviously it's it's a little bit one-sided but uh, and and a little bit artificial but like if i'm talking to you guys about history and we're not recording we're also riffing riffing on this stuff right mm -hmm. and i'm not gonna like put the kibosh on that just because like we're recording hi 101 this is important 
Like, <laughs> honestly, I think... So my, my whole reason with this question is basically is I wanted to go on a bit of a tangent here. Oh, no. <laughs> I was set should have been set up. The Trojan question. <laughs> I've been bamboozled. <laughs> I... I have a lot of thoughts and opinions about HI101 because it's... <laughs> Whoa, well, all right. They're, all, they're almost all positive. Don't hold back, Joe. Let's hear them. Oh, boy. Like, you'll just edit them out if you don't like them anyways. Exactly. I got all the control here. Um, oh, I love it. <laughs> so... Why are those in three different volumes? That was brief. <laughs> all right. I don't, I don't know if we've ever gone on record talking about our first, first experience with this kind of format, mm-hmm. but you and I used to live together. Yeah. Uh, we were roommates. Yep. And just one day, you were, we were talking, we were just shooting the shit and talking about Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And you told me uh, some cool, like, summary of Lord of the Rings, uh, you know, just at a high level. I think we were talking about the Silmarillion specifically. Yeah, almost definitely. Yeah. Because that's where all the weird stuff is. Correct. <laughs> and Nerds. I was just like, huh, this... Says the guy wearing a Star Trek t-shirt. I wasn't going to tell anybody, but like, come on, man. I say nerds ironically every single time. <laughs> uh, and it just made it a lot more accessible than actually making my way through the Silmarillion. Sure. And then I don't know how much later you ended up telling me some stuff about Rome. Okay. And the exact same, that the tone felt the same, uh, the conversation was the same. You were just telling me a cool story mm-hmm. about some stuff that happened a long time ago. And yeah. it was pretty f-ing dope. Like that I was just like, I wish history was like this. Like mm-hmm. I wish... Oh sweet summer child! <laughs> <laughs> I wish I, I wish this is what you know I experienced in high school when it right. came to to history class. That's a fair point. And, I definitely agree with that. <laughs> and surprise, that's what history's been all along. Yeah. Um. And and you know the the, the high school experience is again part of the reason that I wanted to do this is because I think I don't want to say that high school history being bad is a universal experience, but it's at least like a, a common enough experience that it's it's kind of tropey at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, history class being boring, and it doesn't need to be because it's 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 very good. It's well, just that's a, the thing. Right? It's you... also it's also hard to teach. You know, when when you have like a curriculum and like the kids need to know these twelve points, it's hard to teach that in an engaging way. Yeah. So you know, I I feel for history teachers quite a bit, and I I've had some fantastic ones that probably influenced my my love of history uh, quite a bit. But I, I get that. Like, not most people didn't get that experience, and that's that's uh, that, that's really too bad. It was narrow for us. I mean, I'm not certain where... I mean, you went to my school for high school. I'm mm-hmm. not sure what your situation was, but like the, you had to take at least one credit in history, uh, and the first opportunity is 10th grade. And yep. for us, it was just 20th century Canadian history. Yeah. And if you like that topic, then fantastic. If not, if you're not interested in it necessarily, which, I mean, there was some interesting stuff, but, <laughs> I mean, over the course of five months... I mean, as a 15-year-old, I didn't care necessarily. I didn't have a greater worldwide context for it. I I dropped history after one class. I went back and took other world sciences at that point. Sure. And this this ties into my whole point, is that the reason why I personally think that HI101 is great and probably why it's as successful as it is, is because the format is just so much more accessible. Because we riff, because we're just, you know, having a conversation. We're, we're, We're literally just people talking mm-hmm. and the humor like that comes just from our you know natural storytelling chemistry chemistry i guess yeah. sure sure that ends up imbuing the the show with that quality of just you know a friend telling you a cool story yeah yeah i 
I mean, there, there's a lot of people I've heard from that kind of go, you know, I, I thought I didn't like history and then I found your show and I find it really interesting. Yeah, I'm but one like, of those people and that's the reason I told you. <laughs> but, but when, when we were, when we were first talking about this and I, I mean, when, before I, before I started this show, I, I talked to both of you about uh, what you thought of the format when I was kind of puzzling it out uh, among, among other friends. But my, my experience with history, I was very lucky in that I've, I've had some really good experiences in education. I took, you know, for a requirement, I took a, a course called um, History of Canadian Business, which sounds like the worst course <laughs> oh, in my eyes glazed over universe. Me. We we spent an entire two and a half hour lecture talking about the insurance industry in Canada, and it was one of the most fascinating courses I've ever taken. And the idea that somebody could take a topic like that and make it interesting and make it engaging, uh, make me want to be there and listen to what he said. It, like blew my mind at the time. I just got a new idea. <laughs> that's that's great. Nope, um, that's dangerous. Let's, let's hold off on that one. No, but it's relevant. Um, <laughs> please. What 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 it says to me though is that like, hey, if if he can make that good, you can make anything good. It's more about the format than it is about the topic. I mean, yeah. the, the topic. Let's face it, helps a lot for sure. But there aren't that many things that couldn't be helped by. A more accessible topic and there are a lot of uh, history podcasts that I listen to that I really like but the, the truth of the matter is people who aren't into history listen to that and and I try to get them into those and they go like yeah it reminds me of listening to a lecture yeah. because it's it's you know one person and they're reading off of a script and you know it's I, I enjoy it but I again I did enough of this that that goes down smooth for me yeah um, I can also see where other people will get super bored with it and and I just really wanted to do something different Okay, so my idea. <laughs> I'm going to give you a prompt here to cut this out. And if, you know, in the recording, people are just, it just skips ahead from this, uh-huh. you'll know it got cut out. Okay, sure. Do a challenge series. Bring back all your regular guests in a row. Okay. And have them present to you a topic they think is super boring. And then tell them something <laughs> cool about it. That could be interesting. That, that would be awesome. Like, that sounds like a ton of work. <laughs> yeah, of course. But it might be great. But you, but you would love it. <laughs> it would be awesome. Here's the thing: is this an experiment that might not work? And if it doesn't, that's like six months of podcast. <laughs> well, you would know after the first episode, probably. Fair. Uh, I don't know, man. Well, <laughs> I'll, I'll think about it. Let's put it that way. It Noted. Could, it could be fun. Most time-consuming episode and why from from uh, Patrick uh, Miller? You had a guess uh, guess on this. I kind of brought it up earlier, but I thought sifting through all the conspiracy theory sites might have been very troublesome. <laughs> Didn't even make my list. Okay, that was my I actually guess. find the conspiracy ones pretty quick uh, because uh, we don't go as in depth on them, and because we're looking at them from a very like specific angle. So those those ones I actually find pretty quick. Then basically taking the opposite tack. Hang on, hang on. Sorry. Phil, Phil had it. Phil, Phil, Phil had a guess. Let him, let him take his first guess first. Have some inside knowledge on this. Okay. Okay. But I'm gonna say it was the Korea episode. No. Wow. Okay. Korea did. That take did a take long a while time. though, right? Because yeah. you specifically said like I had to look up a lot about this. Yeah. Uh, you want to do one more, and then I then I got we got to get going. I'm not on yeah. The so I, either topic that was I mean I'm just gonna pull from my own history here, but okay. uh, either the Aten Heresy where it was so ancient that it was difficult to find sources, nope, or uh, astronomy where it was so broad that it was hard to find a through line. Mm-hmm. Okay, no, nope. astronomy eventually kind of built itself, and some of the best episodes sort of do that. They kind of just fall together really nicely. Um, history has a way of doing that. See, that's that's the thing about history is that like. It's not like a timeline, right? Like it's our, it, it's human like recorded experiences and we tend to link things that are similar. It's not that hard for me to find these links. They, they're, they're already there in the history. Um, I just follow what other people have already tied together. We're very 
you know, prone to finding patterns mm -hmm. and that's just how we tell stories. We want a cause and effect there. We don't just want a, a series of completely unrelated things that happen to ha happen in a chronological order. That's not history. Okay. Um, history requires human uh, interpretation for it to be history. Okay, what is it? I've got one more meta guess because oh, you, no. said that, you said that it would Miller. cut off later. Miller, you've been cut Miller. off. <laughs> is it tea? It's not tea. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think the most time-consuming episode was jazz. Oh. Really? Yes. Because it took a lot of research because it's one of those things where it's like, oh, jazz apps, uh, you know, jazz music, how hard can it be? Oh, no, I'm getting into some, like, heavy racial politics here. Yeah. So then it's like, okay, well, I really need to make sure I know what I'm doing here. Then it's like, well, I, I'm I'm kind of familiar with jazz music, but like, I'm not a jazz aficionado by any means. Mm -hmm. I got to do some research on like, what's the what even is jazz? Well, like, what's <laughs> what are the what are the big hits? You know, like, what's you know, who's who's the legend, who's the Led Zeppelin of jazz? Yeah, I need to know this. <laughs> How do you jazz? Um, and then you know, once I got all of the research done, how do music rights work? for podcasts oh. because I, I, I edited all that music in there right so getting like finding rights free versions of all the all of that music i'm to this day not completely certain that i'm not someday going to be contacted by somebody's lawyer and asked to remove yeah. that episode the estate of somebody uh, yeah I, I don't know because you know not only are our um fair use rights really vague Spotty, and complicated you know. and and kind of garbage but they also vary between countries and you know, this is canada and these were mostly recorded in the u.s and now we're into international fair use stuff and, yeah. Ugh, yeah. and ultimately it can come down to like your host and stuff too right yeah yeah for sure and um so you know, there were bits of like very very small bits of original music i had to record for that just like it was it was not music it was more just like what do, what do chords sound like it, it was pretty simple stuff um you know editing all the music in so it sounded good um yeah that ended up taking like a lot of work and it was a lot of fun i, I felt like it was well worth it but that was a long month. I did a lot of work for that. But it was like every side of it. It was both like the recording side, the research side, everything. In terms of research, yeah, Korea was up there. I think tea was more. Um, I don't think I entirely knew what I was getting into when I started that topic. Phil hasn't listened to it, so I'm trying not to give I'm away too much. I'm super excited about it. It's that very one. good. It's been on, when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's going to be good. It turned out to be an amazing episode, but like... I had no idea what I was getting into even listening to it. <laughs> I, I started and I knew some of this stuff, but then it turns out that like it... The, the story of this beverage ties into so many very important world issues that it's like, well, I didn't think I'd be talking about, uh, you know, um, the, the British in Hong Kong and also, you know, the, the Boxer Rebellions, but also uh, the Raj in, in India and like all of these things that it's like, I was not expecting that. So it just like, it took on a mind of its own. It took forever to get through the research on that and make sure that I, A, got everything that was important and B, got it right because most of it was news to me. Um, in terms of recording time, like who was like at my house the longest, yeah. I, I'm going to bar the, uh, the, the April, April Fools. Fools ones because that's essentially uh, recording a topic and a half. Of yeah. course, it's going to be longer. Um, the two that come to mind are um, Knights Templar because there was a power outage about, oh. about we, we had recorded 30 or 35 minutes of one of the segments and there was a power outage and uh, Adobe hadn't auto-saved any of that recording session. So we lost like a good half hour 40 minutes of recorded material and colin and i just kind of like looked at each other and i was like you want to just go home and do it again another night because it's I don't, I don't know if you, if you guys have ever done this but like re-recording something that you just recorded it's impossible. 
it just feels bad. Like, yeah. you feel like you're trying to remember the good things that you said. And yeah. Matt and I tried it once, and it was for a fairly inconsequential episode. We were talking about, like, new comic book movie trailers that came out at San Diego Comic Con or something like that. And we lost the entire recording. Yeah. Did 10 minutes of restarting it again. He's like, you know what? Actually, F this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done. And, and so he just went home, and we recorded it again a week later when we had forgotten all the stuff that we'd already said. Because if you do it right after, it's like... You can't sound surprised. You're you acting. can't sound that you, you end up. Oh saying, wow! Yeah, you, you end up saying the words like you know, like we said earlier, like a million times. It just sucks. Yeah. Um, and then smallpox. Um, oh, that was such a good episode. You guys have both listened to smallpox. Yep. yep. Um, oh my goddamn mind. That was that was year one. That was fairly early. That was fairly early. My friend Jillian was on to record with me. Um, she moved farther away. We can't record, which is really a shame. I'd like to get her back on at some point, but um, we had to take a break. Like she. I hope she forgive me for saying so, but she took that really hard. It came across in the in the recording, but like we had to take like a, you know, let, let's take a break from this for a while and then come back to it. Mm -hmm. uh, break in the middle of it. It was a brutal episode. It was a brutal episode. I, you know, and and I, I yeah, I don't mean anything by it or anything like that. It's just it, it was emotionally exhausting for I, both of us to record. I related to both of your mental states. In, yeah. When I was listening to that back, I was like, this would have been hard to do. Yeah, it was it was pretty rough. Let's do one more. No, you know what? Let's let's take a break there and uh, you know, brush up our uh, our drinks and whatnot, and we'll come back to the rest of the questions after. Sounds good. Yep. We're back on HI one hundred one here with Kevin Miller. Hey. And Phil Downey. Yo. You want to do some questions about actual history topics? Okay. Uh, All right. If you, if you must. <laughs> Uh, I've got one here from Sunny, who asks, in your episode on Charlemagne, which was a Phil episode, I, did that one. I felt you didn't really address his wars with the Germanic pagans. I always got the idea that he was pretty ruthless and brutal in crushing their religion. Does historical evidence back this up? That is a great question, because I actually didn't really get into that that much in that episode. There was a massacre uh, committed maybe under Charlemagne, uh, October 70, 782, the massacre at Verden. Uh, in which he supposedly ordered the death of 4,500 Saxons. Here's the problem with a figure like Charlemagne, and part of the reason that I left it out to some extent. Charlemagne is so much bigger than life that there are a lot of very like political things that end up kind of inserted onto his story that we need to kind of be a little bit careful navigating. And when we did that episode, I sort of just chose not to navigate them at all yeah. and stick to the stuff that I knew. Plus, I think at that point we were trying to keep the episodes a little bit shorter. I've long since abandoned that. Um, <laughs> blah, blah. And, and I just, I decided not to really get into it. Um, the problem with the Massacre at Verden is that at this point, there are people who contend that it never happened at all. There are people who contend that it happened, but it wasn't ordered by Charlemagne. It was ordered by one of his lieutenants and that the single source that we have for this massacre happening at all ascribed it to Charlemagne to make him seem like a stronger leader, even mm. though what we're talking about here is genocide. Uh, we just had a little bit different standards back in the 8th century for things like that. Um, there was this idea that, um, well, because the, the pe people uh, contemporary to Charlemagne yeah. or, or slightly thereafter were comparing this massacre to a, a story of, I believe, King David in the Bible who oh. ordered a similar <laughs> massacre, where the, it's this idea of like him doing this made him seem biblical. Yeah. Um, which is a big deal for somebody who is really one of the first uh, strong Christian leaders since the fall of the Western Roman Empire. So there's a lot of this like 
very important religious uh, imagery that's put on top of it. There's a lot of this really important political imagery that's put on top of it. So, you know, there's still, you know, there's some question of how much this massacre, if it did happen at all, was due to the discovery of Saxons, Saxons who were still practicing pagan uh, rights and how much of it was due to the fact that they had just signed a peace treaty with Charlemagne like a year previous and he was really mad that they were in the middle of open rebellion breaking this treaty. Mm. You know, what, what, what motivates someone like Charlemagne? How do we know that 12, 1300 years later? It's really, really tough to know this stuff. Um, there, there was tension between Charlemagne and German pagans, for sure. Uh, he, he tended to destroy any pagan symbols that he came across when he was out conquering. But at this point in time, we're talking about a very different version of Christianity in Germany, right? Like there's one of, one of the really important things to remember, and I think you and I did talk about this when we did this topic, is when Christianity was first adopted basically by anyone, but especially by the, the, the Germans, the idea of it being like exclusively monotheistic was like a little hard to grasp at first, right? Because it's not a natural position to take for someone who is already polytheistic, right? So these are people like even, even Charlemagne's own ancestors who first converted to Christianity are going like, oh, sweet, here's, here's another guy I can pray to for victory in battle. And it's like, you've got all these missionaries who are like no, no like, he's the only he's guy the, like jesus is about peace and love and also he's the only god and they're like okay but i tried praying to odin i lost i tried praying to jesus i won i'm gonna keep praying to this guy he rules and they're like yeah but that was like a you killed so many people that's not what we're all about and they're like but it worked and and like there's this very complicated relationship between the saxons and christianity and so like a lot of these lines are really blurry a lot of these saxons who were practicing paganism were also practicing a very you know regional form of christianity and a lot of the nuance ends up getting lost when we have one source for this massacre and it is a church source and it's very motivated to paint charlemagne as a uh, religious defender good old christian boy yeah and and i, I mean i, I it, it comes down to what we talked about before about bad sources i don't know I have no idea why Charlemagne uh, ordered those deaths. I don't know if Charlemagne ordered those deaths. The source that we have is very motivated to present it as Charlemagne himself uh, carrying out some of these executions uh, on top of ordering it and doing it because of his religion. But, you know, we talked during that topic about, like, the weird interplay between the church and Charlemagne in terms of, like, the Pope crowning him Surprise, Holy Roman Empire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just, it gets, it gets really hazy and, and we don't really have Charlemagne's own words of why he did what he did and we don't have multiple sources to point to and um yeah i mean he was kind of ruthless against pagans but i i, I chose not to make it a, a like a like a central theme in that episode mostly because there's a lot of stuff we know for sure about charlemagne that i think is more relevant to people now specifically the political unification of europe and then uh the the descent from there to uh the modern states of france and germany um, and, and that's really what I was looking to focus on, and that's why I didn't really talk about it. So, I mean, yeah, he was brutal in battle, so was you know everyone else in the 8th century, and that's how you unite all of Europe. Most great men are bad men. Uh, I'll, I'll just put that out there, or at least not necessarily universally good men. And most of them have some pretty terrible things in their past. So would I be surprised if this happened? No. Would I be surprised if it was religi religiously motivated? Absolutely not. I just don't feel confident enough to have uh, to have originally included it. Let's go back to one that you guys can help out with. 
How long have you guys known each other? That's from Kimberlyn. You, go, you can go first, because mine might be a little longer. Uh, I've known Phil yep. <laughs> since I was in 10th grade. He was in 9th, I believe. Yep. Um, where we played on Dragon Ball Z RP servers together on Yahoo groups. <laughs> yeah. So there's a snapshot of 2002, I believe. <laughs> Perfectly adequate. Yeah. <laughs> little. Imagine what our hair might have looked like. Um, <laughs> I don't want to, thanks. Um, yeah, and you and I have known each other since uh, 2009? Yeah, it's been eight years. I want to say 2008, but I don't know for sure. It was, it was like winter. It was like er, like early, like February, March of 2009. Yes, there was a, a mutual friend of ours who wanted to gather some friends together to play Dungeons and Dragons for the first time. I had maybe six hours of D&D under my belt at the time. And so I'm like, yeah, we'll play our first ever game on St. Patrick's Day. And you've been... Um, uh, as a dungeon master for the first time for seven people who have never played, and I've been drinking for 12 hours. <laughs> so uh, it went well. It went, it, went, it went pretty well. So now y'all know that about me. Um, what about you, Phil? How long have we known each other? <laughs> so I was four or five, and you were five or six. And... Uh, we grew up in a small town with one elementary school, mm -hmm. and uh, they brought me in the year before, or not the year before, the June or so. It before. was in June, yeah. Yeah, it was the it was the end of the school year. The end of the school year before the year I would have started kindergarten to you know acclimate the students um, to what kindergarten was going to be like, and they paired me up with Adam and we played blocks and dinosaurs, and he showed me the ropes of kindergarten. Yeah, seasoned veteran at that point. Yeah. <laughs> And I am now 30, Adam's 31, hopefully mm -hmm. that's not a secret. Uh, so I don't think I'd mentioned it before, <laughs> but I'm not ashamed. We have we've known each other for about, what is it, five-sixths of our lives? Yeah, it's 25 years. Yeah, it's been, it's been a while. It's been a minute, yeah. yeah. Exc <laughs> um, excluding my brother, I actually went back and checked, Adam is literally my oldest friend. Not oh. the friend who is the oldest, but yeah. the friend who I've had for the most amount of time. I, I, yeah, I think people will gather. No, I, I, most people I've had on the show I've known for, for quite some time. I kind of want to know the people that I'm getting on the show. Not just because it's like a control issue, but more because I strive for that dynamic of like people who know each other well chatting. I, I don't necessarily want to meet someone for the first time over HI 101. Yeah. That's, yeah. It, it, I, I'm it's not entirely well yeah yeah and you're not quite as comfortable and, and things like that so I think most of the guests know each other too at least in some form yeah most of us yeah um played some poker together <laughs> yeah. yeah a few times um did you have to work hard at getting your friends to participate that's also from Kimberlyn I'm gonna bounce that back to you guys <laughs> no not even a little <laughs> I can't speak for all your other guests, but I mean, the type of friends that I know now that you have don't seem like the type to shy away from recording a history podcast. Have you ever had to ask anyone to come on the show? Or have they asked every time? I've never, I've never had to, like, I've, I've asked people as in, hey, do you want to record in X month? Yeah, but for the first time. For the first time? Um, maybe Dan for the for the unknown maybe, pilot. Maybe Becca <laughs> didn't didn't have to ask Dan. Um, yeah, my sister, I had to ask. Uh, I'm I'm trying to think who else, but like I, everyone everyone I've asked has said yes enthusiastically. It's never it's never been an issue of um, twisting anyone's arm to come on. I mean, I I I don't say this maybe often enough. Like for for me for me having you guys on is like a massive favor to me because like without you guys, HI one hundred and one is me 
angrily shouting about Columbus into a, <laughs> into a microphone for three hours. I don't know um, <laughs> Which, to be fair, I'd listen to that uh, episode. <laughs> By the way, I've been I've been thinking about something recently. So I've I've um, I don't want to say stalled out on Patreon, but I've I've leveled off on uh, on it a little bit. Okay. And I'm thinking about a new stretch goal. Okay. For let's say if I get support up to one hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. Who wants to come on and record a, a Columbus podcast with me? Uh, I mean, all of us. <laughs> I mean, how I'm, many I'm microphones curious. can you fit in that room? Um, uh, how many humans can you fit in that room without us baking? And, and another thing, if I if I put a timer on it, would would it be completely out of character for HI one hundred and one if I had a couple before we? Uh, before <laughs> we oh, now I'm definitely. <laughs> I'll oh, fight you for it. Oh man. <laughs> Yeah, I'll up my contribution. <laughs> I'm, uh, you know what? I'll, I'll check out the comments for this and decide whether or not to do that. But I, it was just kind of kicking around recently. That the comments are going to be, please do it. Why maybe, haven't you done it? Maybe that's a thing that people might want. Maybe that's a thing that people want. Uh, is, is me belligerent about uh, about Christopher Columbus. I love that, the idea that having been on now a few podcasts myself between yours and the crossover and so on, but like people have the things that they get incensed about <laughs> whether they're willing to show it or not and i mean like i said the crossover is a lot of angry yelling so mm-hmm. it's it's a bit more clear but uh we know that the columbus is always the the through line that's gonna make adam be like i'm, I'm not gonna talk about it i'm just i'm just wondering if i just need to get it out of my system at some point yeah. oh it's not gonna help but it's gonna be <laughs> funny it'll be cathartic <laughs> for a couple hours <laughs> Um, and then you're going to edit it and be like, oh no, yeah. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> yeah. So to answer the original question, I think you approached me about the first episode and my answer was like the most enthusiastic yes I've ever given to anyone about anything. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think everyone's been quite enthusiastic about it. And like I said, it, it's, it's a massive, it's a massive favor having you guys on. It, it means a lot to me, but no one seems to act like they're doing me a favor which is a, a, a weird thing to say I, i'm sure for you guys to hear you it's just like get to hang out with you for four hours and hear a cool story right. like so how is that hard from, from from my end of things it's like i've got this whole like i've got this thing going on hi 101 has, has gone from like this this like little hobby this, to like yeah. a, an actual thing and like you guys just drop by for like an entire evening like i take an evening of your month that month and uh you're fine with it and and i'm i'm mildly baffled by how how excited everybody is but yeah. ext- extremely grateful for it well for someone who's on the show that isn't you for mm-hmm. us it represents like four hours of our time every six to eight months <laughs> sure sure this might surprise you adam but mm-hmm. you seem to have cultivated a group of friends who like to learn things <laughs> i don't know if you've known you've noticed this about that's, us that's true that's true like so said, your pres- diagram is a circle <laughs> and I, I don't have any hard proof on this, but I think that one-on-one education is almost always the best way to learn things. Oh, in a lot of cases, And yeah. now you are offering all of your friends one-on-one education sure. in an accessible manner yeah. on a topic that they've probably chosen and are interested in. Uh-huh. Of course, we're going to be like, obviously... Yeah. Can I do it twice in a row? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, through a few years of HI 101, I've officially had more history education than i ever did through actual education systems yeah so yeah like we might be actually through the hours at this point <laughs> like i mean what did i have one hour every day for five months one once yeah. in one course yeah no i i'm hey i'm psyched that you guys are so excited like i said i i'm i'm not going to turn it down for any reason but um yeah no I, I, i've never had a problem getting someone on the 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 closest i've ever had to an issue uh getting getting somebody on is you know, hey, do you want to record this month? 
um, no, sorry, I can't. I'm on vacation somewhere. Or next you know, month, please. Yeah, <laughs> ne can, but can I do next month instead? And like, if that's the worst I ever run into, I'm I'm incredibly lucky. There have been a few times, like I, I'm kind of at the point now where I'm having more difficulty coming up with the next topic that I want to discuss, but I know I want to do it. Right. But there were some times when it's like, hey, I want to talk about this, and you're like, okay, well, uh, I can slot you in four months from now. <laughs> yeah. Like, those yeah. must have been glory days. <laughs> that, that, that was fantastic at that point. Yeah. I feel, um, I feel like it's going to be harder and harder for me to get you to do the topics that I want you to do. Oh, it's because you pick... I was going to say garbage <laughs> topics. Sure. They're you pick all really, good. You pick really, really hard topics, man. Um, who was the best Roman emperor and why? That's from <laughs> Stephen or Stefan? It's, it's the Stephen with the PH. Maybe it's Stefan. It's not that, I don't think. You don't know? I don't know. Sorry, man. I didn't mean to butcher your name. Maybe I should have messaged you about that. Why do you want me to start fights on the internet? Why do you want people angry? No, um, Damn you, Stephen Stefan. Are there like a top three? You know what? I, I think. <laughs> Can we have like a battle royale? <laughs> I, I, look, the answer is Augustus. I don't, oh, I, I don't think there's going to be too many people who disagree on that. More for the fact that this, like, he was a, he was a really good emperor all the way around, like very well rounded, um, very carefully defended and expanded borders set up systems of law i mean julius caesar killed the republic but caesar augustus created the empire and in terms of ranking emperors i don't know if you can do much better than that you know there's lots of different options for second place third place but you didn't ask about that so i'm just going to move on <laughs> it's augustus uh we'll, we'll leave it at that um by the way next month's topic going to be about augustus so Dip. little teaser there did you know that in Guild Wars 2, I named all my characters after Roman Empire emperors? I did not. That's another piece of information. We're just, we're putting a lot of stuff out there today. Huh, That's something about Phil that we all know now. Yeah, we, and we can never unknow it. I don't know. Memory's pretty fallible. You might forget. This one I'm going to remember, man. I don't know. <laughs> um, it's not so much a question, but it would be cool to hear a little more about the Chinese pirate queen who was briefly mentioned back in one of the Caribbean piracy episodes, if possible. That's from Sam. Sam, that was basically a question. You need to move a couple words around and add a question mark. You're almost there. Um, yeah, that was uh, Ching Shi. No, no, no. It wasn't a question. Move on. <laughs> You're right, Sam. It would be cool. Anyway. <laughs> um... Yeah, also known as Madam Ching. We don't actually know her real name. Ching Shi means uh, uh, widow of, of Ching, which is kind of sad. She was a, a Chinese prostitute born in 1775, uh, married a, a pirate captain who, you know, started this massive pirate fleet and died a couple years later. And when he died in 1807, she just kind of took over operations and kept this fleet growing and had these like really strict rules around conduct, had really... Um, you know, it, just in terms of like who gets, uh, you know, when, when a when a vessel is looted, who gets what percentage of the treasure. Uh, if you don't stick to that, you're going to be severely punished. If you do stick to that, you're going to be incredibly well rewarded. Really careful uh, rules about the treatment of women and children, uh, things like that. And and by the time she was done, she was eventually commanding uh, like three hundred. Wow. vessels in in the the south china sea as many as forty thousand possibly pirates it was known as the red flag fleet and um she was tangling with like the royal navy and uh like the chinese navy and like like actual real yeah, military that, that's an army at that point <laughs> yeah yeah no it, it was it was a full-on navy and she often won those engagements like it was she, she was formidable 
Um, eventually, she did uh, lose a series of battles to the Portuguese Navy in 1810. It's known as the Battle of the Tiger's Mouth, which is just like everything it's about so Madame Ching. Everything about <laughs> Madame Ching is so cool. And but she was so formidable. They, they ended up offering her amnesty. So she wasn't entirely defeated. It was like, OK, we've knocked you down a few times. Can we just call it cool here? You just go away and we'll stop. Like, we'll call it even, walk away. And she took the buyout. Wow. Took amnesty from the Chinese government, started a gambling house, uh, became incredibly wealthy off the gambling house, uh, and died at age 69 in 1844. She's one of the few pirates uh, that are, like, historically notable that walked away from the game, that, like, retired. What happened to all of her pirate crew, like... Did they also get bought off? Did she bring them into the gambling ring? All, four, she, all forty thousand. Did them? she throw them overboard? I, I mean, the the fleet would have dispersed. Some of them would have taken what money they had and, yeah. and gone honest. I'm sure a lot more of them turned back to piracy and found out that it's a lot harder to do when you're one guy in a ship and not you know yeah. forty thousand strong. Um, so yeah, I, I can't really speak to like a like a standard uh, experience for those men. But in in general, when you're given amnesty like that, what would happen was people would take it and then either relapse within like a year or not is, yeah. is really the, the short answer. Recidivism. Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes yeah. you, you've been living the pirate life for long enough. It's, uh, it's hard to go straight. Got that itch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just when I think I'm out, <laughs> it drives me back in. Yeah. Walker asks, is there a topic you or a guest found really interesting but was shelved because it would be either too polarizing or volatile for a larger audience? Have you ever shelved anything? Well, uh, I think my first comment would be anything that polarizing. I'm probably not going to mention here now. Like, come on, man. <laughs> okay. Have you ever polarized anything, but you don't have to tell us what it is? Uh, there's there's been a couple something. of things. There's been a couple of things that I've said uh, not now to. Mm. Oh. There are a couple of things that I've said no to outright. Look, in general, in general, the issue isn't whether or not uh, a topic is too polarizing in of itself. That's, that's almost never an issue. Uh, what I find to be an issue is if I'm going to sit here and tell you guys about something, I want to be confident in the fact that I at least understand it well enough that if I'm being corrected by somebody, it's like, a, oh, thanks for mentioning that. I did get that wrong. This is a learning experience. I'll do better next time. And not, you know, oh, no. Oh, no. I, I messed up so, so bad. Yeah. That's, that's a very real fear for me when it comes to um more controversial topics i like i understand i'm never going to get it 100 right that's just not possible but like i, I want to feel like i'm at a place where i can at least make a, a an honest go of things and there have been topics where i've just said you know what i just don't know enough about this and i know that it's too volatile to really get into one one that uh one that i will actually like straight up name is i i've, I've considered in the past and a couple of guests have actually asked me about doing like early australia stuff and Ooh, yeah. the relationship between like the australian government and uh uh the indigenous people of australia is um it, like at least as fraught as canada's if not worse and i i can't even really speak to like a relative amount of fraught because i i just don't know enough about it and i know enough that it's like i don't think i'm ready to touch this without doing like significant amounts of learning myself I'm just not there. 
was that me who asked? Because it's been on my mind and I can't remember who I actually brought it up to you. Yeah, you, you're, you're one person. But like I said, there's been a couple of people who have mentioned it. I just, like I said, I, I, I want to be, you know, in, in general, I think I've been more confident in tackling that type of issue as time has gone on. Because in reality, I don't want to edit the past because some bits of it are difficult to talk about, right? That's, that's dishonest and that's not what history is about. What I do want to make sure that I'm doing is giving uh, as fair a version of that and as, uh, you know, and, and go in as uh, eyes open as I possibly can if I'm going to record that that episode. You know, I, I try and make it clear, like, I'm not an expert in any of this stuff. Like, I'm, I'm we're, we're doing some base entry-level uh, information on all of this stuff. I'm looking to tell a good story, not to, like, get into the scholarship of it. But I also don't want to tell a story that's like irresponsible, and so that's that's my main like litmus test of like, are we going to do this or not? Yeah. Um, when it comes to like potentially offensive or potentially awkward uh, uh, topics. Yeah, it's this sliding scale of is this controversial? Can I do it justice? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's it's even yeah, and and, and the less controversial it is, the yeah. more like happy I am to just, just like jump dive in. right yeah, exactly. in, no problem. But like as as I've gone, I mean, some of the stuff that I've done has been potentially problematic and and some of it i to this day expect somebody to send me an email and go you know listen man you screwed up i haven't yet that's that's great i hope that's a good sign <laughs> um but you know it I, I started off with some pretty uh pretty safe stuff and we've moved through uh some tricky religious ones we've moved through some tricky uh racial ones we've moved through, you know like it's it's uh some of that stuff is is potentially very polarizing and I think it's gone okay, but I don't want to relax either because that's that's how they get you. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, I, I don't want to. HI one hundred and one is not a thing I want to issue an apology for. Yeah. No. Fair. Oh, this Phil Downey guy. <laughs> how do you grade gag ra- is getting so old? How, how do you grade racism on a curve? I thought we'd do a little follow up here. I was really hoping after like listening to you answering that question, I'm like oh, I hope he does mine next. Very very carefully. It this comes up so often. Kind of, this kind of ties back into what I was saying earlier about like great men generally being bad men and, and um, you know, trying to be um, careful when you're working on something that is potentially uh, sensitive to people who are alive today. Like, just be honest about it, I think, is, is generally my rule of thumb. Sometimes it sucks to hear some of this stuff. Sometimes you think that somebody is really great and it turns out actually they did something super, super high. And... History doesn't have, hmm, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about with uh, historiography, right? History doesn't have progression. There's no such thing as like uh, a guiding force uh, in human history that is somehow building us up to bigger and better things. Things just happen. We like to hope that we leave the world a better place than we found it. That is, that's kind of like, I'd like to think that that's like a human ideal. There are, there's literally evidence of that not being the case sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes we slide back a little bit. It happens. But like, that's, that's just not how it works, right? So you have to really, when you're, when you're examining a person, you have to really put them into the context of contemporary society um, and, and on a number of different scales, right? Like, you know, what was their... Um, what was their position in society, like economically, racially, religiously, like all of that stuff that is still kind of valid when you're talking about like societal politics today, it it, it still fits in history. It's just that um, sometimes you can be a little bit more honest about it without people getting upset. (laughs) Uh, 
yeah, it, it's just, you kind of got to look at um, how racist was, you use racism specifically, but you can use any sort, you can fit any discrimination you want into that yeah. slot and, and answer the question the same way. How was general society approaching that particular uh, type of discrimination at that point in time? And was this person on that particular axis uh, better than, worse than, right down the middle? Did they seem to be acting uh, appropriately within the context of the society in which they lived or not? And when you look at um, certain figures, it's like, actually, you know what? This was, for their time, a generally good person. But like, oops, they also did this really terrible thing. Yeah, but everyone was doing it. So. <laughs> but everyone was doing it. And like when you take the calculus of all of it, you know, it turns out that they're still a fairly good person. And so maybe we can like, we can give this person a pass. Mm -hmm. And like, not to mention the people of our time will be looked at with this same lens. I, you know, hundreds of years in the future. I sincerely hope they look at us and go, well, they tried, but like, exactly. man, they messed this thing up. And like, I, that, that's, you know, it comes back to like, we want, we want things to progress. That would yeah. be the ideal. Um, one thing I've kind of learned the more I re read history, and this is something that we talked about a little bit, was like, you, you kind of stop having heroes because everybody's got those skeletons and it gets to a point where it just gets awkward. I, I think for me, um, there are things that people do that I admire. Um, there are rarely people that I admire. Yeah, actions, because people. You know, one of the, one of the goals of this podcast, um, I've talked a lot about the goals of this podcast. Um, it's it's got a bunch of different ones, but one of them was so meta. What one of them was to take some of these people who have this like mythical status in the collective consciousness and point out that like no, like they're they're still people. Like they're still they're still human. They still have human motivations. Uh, they were maybe maybe in extraordinary circumstances, but they still were sometimes better than people around them or they still sometimes made mistakes or they were still sometimes motivated by things that make no sense whatsoever other than, you know, that is the kind of thing that human beings do because sometimes we're irrational. Yeah. Um, I, I really, I, I think that's really important because as soon as you put somebody up on a pedestal, like you start ignoring things about them and I think that's really bad and, and you start idealizing things that aren't necessarily all that true. A good example uh, for me is, is um, uh, John Graves Simcoe. He was a uh, he was the first uh, governor of, of Upper Canada. Um, this is a guy who, in the very very early nineteenth century, took Canada, gave it its own legislative assembly before any other British colonies were getting that. So the you know we got uh, representative government, largely as a reaction to the the American Civil War or uh, American uh, War of Independence. But you know he set up like representative democracy in the new world for us. He abolished slavery in Upper Canada uh, decades before the British Empire in general abolished slavery. Like, decent guy. Like, I, I can get behind some of this. Just waiting for the other shit to Well, he was, he was also really horrible to some of the, some of the uh, 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 Native American bands that were on his borders. He, he kind of used some of them in a war against the, uh, the Americans. Um, some of them he was fine too, but like others he used as basically cannon fodder. Um, and you look at that and it's kind of like, well, there's a lot of things that I admire about this man, but also like he did some pretty bad things and you got to get to a point where it's like, well, like I gotta, like, everybody's got something like that somewhere. Yeah. And, and it's, it's okay to admire things like the abolition of slavery um, in, in a British colony while still realizing that that was done by someone who was incredibly racist against native Americans. Yeah. It's a tricky line to walk. So I, I don't really have a great answer for you other than 
like people are people they're always going to be people and and we we mess up my takeaway from this whole thing has always just been to approach everything with a critical mind to be aware that these people are not mythological figures Mm -hmm. like you said they are real people with real human motivation and you have to understand that no one's perfect Mm -hmm. and being aware of both sides the the good and the bad Mm -hmm. is probably for the best in terms of trying to become better people you know through successive generations yeah critical is important i think compassionate is also important yeah um you know we we can't crucify every single person who's ever made a mistake in history because it's it's just it's untenable we, we can't get angry all the time it, it just it's it's not good for you basically yeah <laughs> at the end of the day like it's okay to be excited about stuff even when it comes from someone who made a mistake yeah so that's a very long answer to a very short but very complicated <laughs> question i try to pack a lot in there yeah got another one from Stephen or Stefan again very sorry um, could the Romanov dynasty have survived had Russia never entered World War One? Oh boy, we're playing what if with history. We're playing what if with history, guys. <laughs> does Adam like what if with history? My favorite game. No, you do not. No, he doesn't. He do not. Literally after recording our first episode, I was like, "What if you did like a sister series where like you posited like what if this happened instead?" And you were like, "No." Mm-hmm. Which is a flat like no. Mm-hmm. You explained it. Which I'm sure you're gonna. Yeah, I mean, speculative <laughs> history is fun. Don't get me wrong. Um, but speculative history belongs in a bar, basically. It's fiction yep. at best. It, mm-hmm. it is. It is. It is. A, it is an exercise in moving goalposts. And there are some contexts in which it can be useful for um, illuminating things about history. But generally, um, I find. 99% of the time what you learn from speculative history is that man history is complicated like things that happen in history are complicated there's never one single cause and effect for anything it's almost as if the universe is like really hard to grok it's it's almost like nothing actually has a set purpose and history does not have a set progression so let's talk about the Romanov dynasty um and this question because let's let's do it once just to show why this is an exercise in futility oh boy. so we've I'm got this, we've got the romanov dynasty in uh, 1917 we've got world war one going on he's I, i'm going to take from his question had russia never entered world war one that world war one still happens mm. yeah that's already a big one <laughs> sure well it is you're, you're absolutely right it is a big what if as to whether or not world war one world war one happens yeah. if russia doesn't enter because a big impetus for the escalation of that war mm-hmm. is Russian troops mobilizing on the German borders, um, which was what you know yeah. uh, influenced them to cruise through Belgium and uh, uh, try to take out France as quickly as possible. Yeah. And that Belgian uh, invasion is what so many dominoes. Yeah, that's the exactly invasion, the phrase I was going to use. The, the Belgian invasion is the is the the reasoning behind Britain entering the conflict because they had a, a, a defense treaty, a mutual defense treaty with Belgium. So we're Let's already assume. we're already assuming that <laughs> yeah, we failed. Yeah, yeah. We can't really answer this what if. Well, that, that's the thing. We, so we, many moving parts. Sure. Already. Okay. So let's let's focus on the on the on Russia and the Romanovs. So Russia was already in social turmoil, mm-hmm. um, even without World War One. Nicholas II was not the strongest ruler. Um, I once had a history uh, uh, prof describe Nicholas II as the kind of guy who'd be really good at running a hardware store. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, that's which is, evocative. <laughs> which is maybe unfair to Nicholas II, but... Also, let's not throw unnecessary shade at people who run hardware stores. It's, it's I'm a not perfectly, saying there's anything it's wrong a perfectly, with It's a perfectly fine job. Respectable. I'm, even admirable. I'm just but saying maybe, it's not the largest contiguous land mass... Yeah. in the world <laughs> empire be... type level of management <laughs> yeah um, there's a tier of responsibility there <laughs> yeah yeah and i mean there was a lot of stuff going on in russia at this point in time in 1905 the uh, the russo-japanese war fell out in japan's favor which was the first defeat of a european power by a non-european power uh in in centuries mm -hmm. in the modern era um which made russia look really bad and uh, the rest of europe judges them a lot because they have very eurocentric uh view of the world and what's this European country losing to a non-European country. Um, it was also bad enough when that happened that there was a rebellion in 1905. It was quashed, but there was a 1905 revolution which led to uh, Nicholas II having his arm twisted into forcing social reforms, which were barely coming into effect uh, at the time of the First World War. So like they were already in a really bad place without the war. So did they survive all of that stuff? Maybe, maybe not. Hard to say. Yeah, we talked about the, the escalation of, of World War One. I. I honestly I say without Russia, it ends up being a regional conflict between Austria Hungary and the Balkan states. So if they're not in the war, I'm not sure that there's a war for them to survive yeah. necessarily, I guess would be the point to that. Um but if it did go ahead, I mean there were one point five million German casualties on the Eastern Front fighting against Russia. Two hundred uh, two hundred thousand of those were deaths. So if one and a half million troops aren't busy tied up with the russians yeah. and we put all of those what german troops on the western front fighting against france how fast does france fall if france falls that quickly does mm -hmm. britain ever enter the war does germany steamroll <laughs> regroup and uh roll into the balkans uh does this result in a coalition between austria hungary and germany taking over all of europe and what kind of world does that look like that's probably a very hostile world towards russia so after they you know uh, establish this new German order. Does Russia have a future in that? Hmm? That's I don't an interesting. Know. What if <laughs> they survive World War One only to then die? What twenty years later? <laughs> if, if that, that. <laughs> if that, um, because I mean, if if the military is already already rolling, that's a great time yeah. to start a new invasion. So what we're suggesting is that it was preordained. Nothing could be done about it. <laughs> um, even if Russia does survive, does it survive in an imperial capacity? Does the imperial Roman family, mm -hmm. which is what was asked about. Do they survive that or do they end up as a uh, client state to the probably Austrians at that point? I'm guessing. I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Didn't happen. This is all yeah. speculation anyways. Who could know? Yeah. Um, does the Bolshevik Revolution happen without World War One? There was already strong agitation by the, the communists at this point yeah. in time. I mean, there's already social change. There's already unrest. Do they still try and pull it off? Uh, if they do, do the Romanovs uh, survive it? Even if... Uh, the communist revolution doesn't go through. Um, they were killed by the Bolsheviks. They were the ones that ordered the, uh, the the executions. What does power in Russia look like after that? Let's zoom in a little bit more. With Nicholas home and not at the war front. You had fun with this, didn't you? I, I'm, I'm half enjoying this, half annoyed by this. I'll be perfectly honest with you. With Nicholas at home, um, does Grigory Rasputin gain as much power in the court as he did when he was away? Because a lot of the oh, reason that yeah. he gained power was Nicholas being away and the amount of influence he had over the Empress um, because she hung off of his every word. And the courts, uh, the, all of the elites in Russia hated the guy. And they were really uncomfortable with the fact that he had so much influence over the Tsarina. 
there were rumors that they were sleeping together. There were rumors that uh, he had placed some sort of curse Spell on her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there was all sorts of stuff going on. They hated it. And it actually really damaged the amount of power that they that the imperial family had in Russia because they lost the trust and the support of the rest of their noble structure. Mm. Um, if Nicholas is home and he can make these decisions rather than the, than the empress making them, do they lose the... Uh, confidence of the the rest of the aristocracy, aristocracy or not? Um, maybe not. Maybe they manage to gain uh, to hold on to it and they survive all of this. Alexei Romanov, the the heir to the throne, um, he was killed at thirteen. He was executed in the the same uh, at the same time as the rest of his family. He had hemophilia B. Mm-hmm. Oh no! <laughs> hemophilia B is a, a disease that basically prevents your blood from clotting. It wasn't cured until the sixties. Okay. So he was constantly watched by two Imperial Guards to make sure that he didn't like run into something because a bruise could turn into a fatal yeah, uh, internal bleeding. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, he survived until 13 because he was basically surrounded by pillows his entire life. Um, part of the reason that Rasputin gained so much from the Tsarina was that he maybe cured a bleeding fit? Yeah, so he, Probably he didn't. To have he, some sort of... She believed that he had cured her, mm. had cured her son. Um, but honestly... Does he survive long enough to produce an heir? Do the Romanovs survive past Alexei? Hmm? Hard to say. The kid was only 13 when he was executed, so mm-hmm. um, he had a little bit of ways to go. Wow. How, many, how many more kids could there have been? <laughs> we all know how uh, succession works out. Yeah. That's super obvious. So, I mean, if, he, if, they, if he doesn't produce an heir... Then well, obviously there's a really clear situation where who, who's in power next, right? Well, the, the, um, a, a couple uh, generations before, they had explicitly uh, forbidden any female heirs from taking over the imperial uh, seat. Um, so even though uh, the royal family had four daughters, whether or not any of them would be able to become empress was unclear. They'd probably be able to make some, some changes to the laws, but... Eh, it's it's unclear. You know, Nicholas had a brother, Michael, um, but would he have enough of a strong claim on the throne to actually establish a legitimate reign if the entire family was gone or if, you know, Nicholas had died and then Alexei didn't produce an heir? Would he have a strong enough claim on it? Or during the tide of, of nation-state democracy that kind of came up out of, out of World War One, would the people agitate for a republic or for a communist regime? Like, any one of these things could make an impact on this question. So, like, I can't give you a yes or no, obviously, <laughs> for, for so many reasons and for a ton that I didn't have time to get to. But, like, that's one, like, really simple question. Um, my general feeling on this is probably, um, no, the Romanovs wouldn't have survived. But, again, like, it's, it's a, we're talking about probabilities here, not a definite answer. Um, and, like I said, as much fun as it is to kind of shoot the breeze with people over stuff like this, I, I don't I don't find it that valuable to history itself. I think the value in it is to show how precarious of a position Russia and the Romanovs were in the first place. Sure, and that's about where it ends. Well, and I mean how how interconnected all the political ramifications were at that time where it's like the first thing we said if you take that domino mm-hmm. out of the string of dominoes that kicks off world war one what does world war one look like yeah i think i think the other th- trap that speculative history falls into as well is this uh this school of history um known as uh, great man history mm-hmm. which is this idea that um these these um singular uh unique tour de force individuals are this driving force between or behind 
all of history's major developments that you know this is this is the if you have a time machine do you go back and shoot hitler yeah. uh th that's the conceit behind it right is that no hitler no world war ii which is not necessarily yeah, the case just gonna say that's mm, that doesn't check out well i mean the great man theory of history has fallen out of fashion uh long ago now and there are people who hang on to it but it's not necessarily a useful way of thinking about history no the world and all of its peoples are very complex and you can't boil it down to like a few hundred names that you know exactly <laughs> well that's that's exactly what it is taking hitler out of the equation doesn't change the situation that germany was in at the time no something weird is going to happen yeah. to germany at that time yeah i mean there there are there are nuances to it yeah. it's it's does it shake out exactly the same way eh, maybe not but Eh, you know, people are putting a lot of the responsibility on one person when it's a lot yes. more complex. And, and that's where speculative history can be fun for the purposes of fiction, right? Because then you get Wolfenstein, basically, or you get yeah, like, and Conquer, or Red Dawn, or something, sure. right? And, and it can be fun. Like I said, it's just when you know when, when we're talking about specifically history, uh, it's 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 more futile than anything else. It's not yeah. that I don't like it. It's, it can be a lot of fun. It's just it's it doesn't get you very far. Imagine you quickly run into a wall of how little you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. There's a question that I've gotten or a comment that I've gotten from a lot of people that I just wanted to kind of stick in with the questions, which is uh, basically, hey, thanks for being so objective. That's the way good, sh good history should be. What? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm confused by this when I, whenever I get it. And I've got it multiple times, which is like, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm glad you guys like it, but I, I don't feel like I'm that objective. I, I feel like a lot of times I kind of wear my heart sleeve when it comes to some of this stuff. Where maybe maybe I've I, maybe I've gotten a little bit less close to the chest as time has gone on, and I've gotten more Relaxed. confident in my in, in in what I'm making. But I'm I'm okay with coming out and saying that I I dislike things or I think that things are wrong or things like that. And my first thought on this topic is like. Did, did you listen to Irish independence? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, a lot of these came before Irish, Irish independence, but I mean, yeah, Phil was worked up, I, but he's not the first guest to get worked up either. Yeah. I mean, we talked about smallpox earlier. Yeah. Jillian, Jillian was... It's rough. She was shook, and, and I don't blame her. Like, it, it, yeah, it's, it's tough. I also disagree with the, with the assertion that good history should be objective. I think that there was this push, and, and you, you guys can tuck this into your mini historiography episode if you're really looking for it, but there's this push to like legitimize history as a social science and at one point that really focused on like removing the bias for everything and, and, and making it as objective as possible and making it as clinical as possible. And I think it's, I, I think it's the wrong way to go. I understand why it happened. I understand the, the push for legitimacy to it, but I, I, I personally think that history always belonged in the humanities rather than the social sciences. I think it's an art because at the end of the day, what we're talking about is people interpreting uh, real events and, and fitting it into a framework for a purpose. And sometimes that purpose is to, you know, prove a, a, a you know, a hypothesis and, and gather supporting evidence for this assertion that they're making. Inherently and, biased. <laughs> yeah, of course. Like when you're, when you're writing a, when you're writing an essay for a, for a, a history class, you're, you're going out and you're cherry picking evidence. That's essentially yes. what you're doing. And, and of course you have a bias going into it. And the, the idea that we should write that as though you have no bias, all you're doing is just pushing it down further. <laughs> I, I like the idea that, you know, there's this renaissance of people coming forward and saying, you know, listen, I think this about that. And, you know, this is my feelings on it. These are my opinions on it. Yeah. Here's, here's why I feel that way. Um, there are people who disagree with me, but I'm, I'm planting my flag here. And I 
prefer to be part of that more than the the very clinical you know uh reserve portion of it if if people are saying like hey they don't know what political party i vote for i that's that's fine <laughs> i wasn't really trying to tell you but if, if you if you have if you have no idea what i'm like as a person i almost feel like i've i failed a little bit because i'm trying to put some of myself into this storytelling and 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 put it to you guys in a way that is is personal and relatable and and i think invariably uh some of me is going to uh come into that and you guys know me better than the listeners do and you're going to get more of me out of that than they will necessarily but man like like these 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 stories need to be human they need to be accessible they need to be relatable and i think that's one of the things that this show does well is is to you know, say this is how I feel about it. So if I had to guess, mm-hmm. bait, to, to try and interpret within the context of what you just said, what this question is getting at, I think what one can appreciate about your approach to the way you talk about history is that you don't shy away from stuff. Mm. Uh, you'll, you'll say it like it is, and you might, you know, afterwards comment about how you feel about it or how the guest feels about it. Right. But you do seem to just try and bring everything to the table and then also contextualize it within the time that it happened. Yeah. Well, that's the strength of that modern narrative history that we were talking about earlier, right? Yeah. Like this isn't about, um, you know, I, I don't take every topic and talk about how this is a class struggle between, you know, the owners of the means of production and those who don't. Like that's, that's not what I'm doing here, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm telling you about a thing that happened. I'm trying to make it interesting. I'm trying to make it relatable and engaging. Uh, and yeah, I'll give you the context for it. And yes, I'll, I'll comment on it. And that's as an aside. So it's clear that it's my comments rather yeah. than what happened. And, and if that's what people are, are latching onto, then like, good. Like, yeah. that's the, I, I like that. And, and again, I'm not trying to turn anyone away from my show by saying like, no, you're not getting it. <laughs> that's, that's not what I'm trying to say. It's, it's that like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely trying to put some of me into this. And yeah. um, I, I'd be kind of bummed if that wasn't coming out at all. Um, but you know, like I said, it's, it's, it's not that often. It's just, I've gotten that specific comment um, a a strange number of times. I suppose I I would characterize it as. I would be curious to see if my interpretation is, is accurate. If if you're, if you're one of these folks, feel free to get in touch with Adam and let him know. Yeah. I'd be happy to pass anything like that along to Phil. I also wonder if it's an issue of the beholder, right? Cause I mean, not to doubt these people's interpretations of, of no, how no, they're no, that's not what i'm trying to do at all yet. no 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 but i also wonder if you know for every person who's sending you a comment there's someone else who listened to the podcast who would disagree with the way that you're presenting information and just not ever say anything about it or not sure. comment or not listen anymore yeah that's that's one of the tricks. like you tend to think you tend to want to hope that the people that you agree with are unbiased mm-hmm. is what i'm getting at yeah no that's that's true that's that's there, there's potential for that being the case as well but there's a bit of a survival bias there yeah that you are getting comments from the people who, who are, are, still are, are still listening. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, and, and I mean, I've had people come and, and, and comment on things that uh, that disagreed with the way I was doing those. And I, I am so grateful for those comments. Honestly, like it sounds, it sounds weird, but like it's so easy okay. to just hit unsubscribe and walk away and never tell me. I would rather hear what people don't like. And sometimes I kind of go, okay, well, I, you know, I respect your viewpoint. Well, yeah, I'm going to keep doing love. what I do. I, you know, but thanks for letting me know. And there's been other times where I've gone like, you know what? You're, you're right. I, as, I need to switch that around. As much as this project is based in academia, it's a creative project of yours. Yeah. And if you're not ever getting any insight as to how you can improve, you just feel like you're coasting. Absolutely. And I'm, you obviously, obviously don't want to do that. No, you want no, to no. continue to improve the show, continue to reach more people. Yeah, yeah. And... I think there's I think there's a lot of people out there who say like oh no I welcome criticism and then don't mm-hmm. necessarily actually want any criticism I I, I honestly I, I do really appreciate it when 
when people reach out because it's just going to make the show better. Um, or I'd like to hope so. I hope there's no point where I just <laughs> oh, rage block someone. That's, that's not what I like to do, but hey. This um, is going to be the point where they point to, or the point in time where they say, oh, this is when HI101 jumped the shark. <laughs> oh, man. Might as well shut it down now. I can suppose, guys. <laughs> Last episode. I was going to say, is this episode a little uh, self-aggrandizing? <laughs> yeah. Um, that spins me right into my next... Uh... <laughs> Perfect. Sorry. No, that's okay. There's, there's a comment that I, I've gotten a bunch of times too that I wanted to address, which is um, people going basically like, we get it, bad things are bad. No one wants, no one's going to think that you support them just because you talk about them. So like, there's no need to call them out. Like people will go like, you know, we get it. We don't think you support slavery or we get it. You don't have to say that genocide is bad. Um, I guess the, I guess the thing I would say there is that like, this isn't, this isn't scripted. Like we're not like, there's no, there's no note, like there's no asterisk in my note where I'm like, you know, denounce genocide here. <laughs> No, no, remember not to make genocide sound so good. Yeah. Um, it's a I'm, human reaction. Yeah, I'm, 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 telling, I'm telling people who don't necessarily know about this stuff about a thing that is affecting and sometimes, like in some cases, personally affecting for reasons beyond just like basic human empathy. Um, sometimes, it's, sometimes these topics are maybe more personal to people than they're necessarily letting on or sometimes they do let on how personal they are i'm thinking of ireland still <laughs> adam's um, looking right at me <laughs> yeah i've actually been thinking about that when it comes to like topic selection as well yeah because as we've said you know phil and i both had sort of directions that we go in when we are choosing choosing a topic for discussion and i tend to go along the more scientific because it gives a sense of progression mm -hmm. by the end of it you can say okay we've improved since then i mean <laughs> and, and even then only on a macro level exactly it's, it's still over thousands steps. of years in some cases but even like the space race episode which was took place over the course of like 20 something years yeah like you can see like okay well we've made great strides in that time and it was like the golden age of space exploration and so on mm -hmm. um and, and it's not a downer in that way. Similarly, there are topics I don't want to talk about when I come on your show. Like, I don't want to... And maybe I should to try to create some better content, or maybe it's something that I need to push Challenge myself series. into. Challenge myself. <laughs> yeah, well, well I mean, it's that's... not even that it's, like, boring or something like that necessarily. I don't think you can make a topic out of it, but I don't like talking about genocide or war or, sure. or any of these topics where hundreds of thousands of people can die or there's any sort of racial prejudice. I, I, I like having topics that don't have those sort of downers, like a light, fun episode. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and I mean, that's fine. Don't come on and do a thing that you don't want to do. Like, that's, mm -hmm. you know, that's that's basically rule number one for, for you guys from me is, like, hey, like, let's, let's have a conversation you want to have because as we said earlier like that's other, otherwise it's not a thing that people want to listen no, to no definitely I just you know I mean it's also not super fun for me to you know like I, I, like we were talking about the smallpox episode for example I don't yeah. know that I could have sat in a room with you for four hours and discussed it either I think I would have been in the same boat yep Oh, and it was incredibly brave of Jillian to come on and do that episode. I, I think maybe, maybe there was an element of not entirely knowing what she was getting into there, but it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't entirely yeah. uh, going in blind. Uh, she, she knew it was going to get bad. But, but yeah, I mean, if, hey, if, if, there's, if, if this is a forum that you want to use um, to tackle stuff like that, I'm all for it. Like, if it's, if it's going to make a compelling episode, mm -hmm. I, you know, let's, let's do it. I've, I, had a, I had a run of a couple different topics in a row where it was just like, you know, Black Death and then yeah. Ireland and then uh, uh, the October Crisis where it's like talking about, uh, I think the, the uh, New France wasn't that long before that right, run right, yeah. where it's like, okay, well, I'm, talk I I'm talking about some of like our country's dirtiest laundry here. I am talking about the deaths of, you know, millions upon millions of people. I'm talking about, um, you know, systemic uh, cultural oppression over hundreds of years. Like the, it, it, 
they they were heavy. Like they, it was it it wasn't necessarily the most fun stuff for me to go over. That, that's okay. I mean, if I get to a point where it's like, listen, I can't do another genocide episode. Right, right. We're not doing another genocide episode. That's just how it is. <laughs> I I I chose to do those, and I knew what I was doing. Yeah, for sure. But um, you know, yeah, it, it it takes a toll. I suppose that's that's where that's where having like the discipline to do these topics comes in, right? Like that's where that's where um putting it all out on the table like phil said mm -hmm. that's that's where that's almost uh liberating to some extent because it's like okay you know what we're going to talk about some bad stuff today it's gonna suck we're going to talk about all of it we're going to put it all out there and now at least you know like now at least we're not pretending it never happened because i find that so harmful i, I think of the number of people i got tell, telling me after the iran contra affair mm. telling me like i had no idea this happened in my country and happened, yeah, you know, 30 years ago, 30 years, 30, 40 years ago. Like, this, how, what, how could this have happened? Like, how did we let this happen? It's like, you guys just stopped talking about it. Like, it happened, it wrapped up, and everyone stopped talking about it because it was inconvenient to talk about. Um, there's, listen, that, that episode scratched the sur surface of what the United States did in South America during the Cold War. Didn't even get started. And by the same uh, token, didn't even get started in the Middle East. Um, and you know, I, I don't, I, don't know, I think I said it a bunch of times during that, that episode here, I am qualifying myself on an ep on a, on a question about qualifying myself. Mm. I don't mean to target the United States over it. They just happen to be a world superpower. So they end up in a lot of stories. Yeah. Um, we just did a bunch of topics about Canada and, um, English French relations or, uh, indigenous settler relations. And that's, that's tough stuff. That's stuff that, you know, our current government is having trouble dealing with. They're making a lot of missteps and sometimes they do good and, that's nice to see. And then, you know, sometimes, the, thing, other thing happens. sometimes the other thing happens and it's, and it's rough and, and people have a hard time talking about it because it, because it's a sensitive topic and because it's, it doesn't make you feel good. You don't want to feel like you're participating in any of that stuff. Um, so when we talk about this stuff and, and we say like, Hey, you know, we don't want to sound like we're, um, supporting this, or we just want to, you know, get it out there that like, you know, cultural suppression stretching over, you know, centuries is, is a bad thing. Like, we're just trying to parse this information yeah. on like an emotional level. Because again, if we wrote a script, yeah, that probably wouldn't go in there. I get it. I know no one thinks that we're, you know, pro-genocide. Like, yes, but I, it's, it's I'm just, not worried. It's just such a natural reaction when you hear these numbers and yeah. these facts. It's just like, holy <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. And and so to, to see people commenting every once in a while where it's like, oh, you know, they feel like they need to be, you know, politically correct or whatever. I mean... If you want to call that level of empathy politically correct, then I guess, yeah. No. I, I don't know. And maybe I, then I just... it's my reaction to also listening to the podcast where I want to come in with a light and fun topic every sure. once in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we, we need those every once in a while. You know, if, if becoming like agitated and upset over genocide is politically correct, then yeah, I guess I'm politically correct. <laughs> yeah, I, I, just, I just don't like being, I, I, I just don't love the idea of that being used in such a dismissive manner. And maybe I've, maybe I've, uh, you know, uh, misinterpreted the the intent behind that. Yeah, but when, when we react to that stuff, we're not reacting to it just so that oh, we need to be on the record here. We need to come out against genocide. Yeah, this isn't this isn't this isn't virtue signaling. This is like you you. It, this is an audio medium as well. I'm I'm you you guys don't get to see what I see, which is watching my guests <laughs> just sit slack job while I'm saying some of these things and, and cringe <laughs> and and like yeah they're they're sometimes uncomfortable because we're talking about uncomfortable things so i just i just wanted to put that out there that like yeah no this isn't this isn't something we're doing because we feel like we have to it's it's because 
it's some of real. these some of these suck and yeah it's it's, it's real. real it's 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 very real and like what i'm trying to do is make these things as real for you guys as i can i don't want to sit here and toss out numbers about like oh look at the crazy stats on genghis khan killing all these people i want you to feel like you understand what he actually you know, did what that means because it's 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 brutal we you and i've talked in episodes about this idea of uh non-personhood for others outside your tribe right mm-hmm. and like it's so hard for us to wrap our heads around yep. now but it's so pervasive and yet at the same time like we're just as much guilty of that as, yeah. as anyone at any other point in history and you have to be careful about your own um tendency to divide into us and them right like it's it's and that goes outside of history that's every single portion of everyone's life you got to be careful that's probably why it hits even that much harder is because you're like i can see that in a way society still acts this way i still act this way to some degree yeah and i need to do better i want to do better yeah yeah no racism isn't over you know like it's it's there's we we still got things to sort out today and and yeah that, that can be tricky to confront but like again you know history there, there is this type of history where you're reading it as though it's lord of the rings basically yeah. where it's this like epic fantasy thing that happens and you know there's these the massive dynastic like political intrigues and it's kind of like these this happened to someone yeah. like and, real people and they weren't that much different from you and i yeah um and and yeah if, if that's if that's something i can do with the show is is to contextualize this stuff and in, in an odd way, make that stuff uncomfortable, I feel like I've done my job to some extent because that means that you're relating to it on a personal level. And that is, uh, that's really important to me about history. I, I, want, I want you to feel like you understand that on a human level because this isn't just storybook fantasy stuff that, that happened so long ago, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's stuff like finding out that uh, Julius Caesar uh, when he was young, invented a new way to like wear his toga, like off of one shoulder in this weird style, and he got all of his buds to wear their togas in this style. And there was all these Roman senators who were like, "Oh, these kids, this these sucks. <laughs> what are they doing wearing their togas in this? Do they have no sense of decorum?" And like, that's a thing that happened. And it's like, is a crime. <laughs> <laughs> like, like that's like people have always been people, even when they're Julius Caesar and yeah. they're teenagers in the Roman Senate. Like, it's it's you know, I, I want that sense of relation. And, and I, I think it's really important because it, it makes these topics that much more vibrant, even if it makes them that much more uncomfortable in a way. Yeah. Um, one more question from Phil Downey. Uh, what's it like to have an audience? Famous. <laughs> Dude, it's dope. Like, it's, 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 it's so cool. Like, it's, it's really, really cool. I, I don't know what I expected when I started this thing. Um, I mean, I, I wanted it to be well, obviously. I did, I, it wasn't like I was hoping for failure but at the same time i was ever expecting uh you know thousands of people to listen to each episode like it's it's crazy yeah um i am i'm really grateful that it's grown at the pace that it has it's slow enough that it didn't you know become overwhelming at any point mm-hmm. um it's also slow enough that like i didn't become that guy who had a thing explode and like turn into a massive yeah <laughs> um because like <laughs> i mean yeah yeah we'll see <laughs> Jerry's still out on that one, I guess. Um, no, we'll like, let you know. I, 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 and this is our most masturbatory episode. <laughs> I, no, I... I oh, totally. yeah, Sorry. There's one of those uncomfortable truths that I didn't want to uh, have made real. Um, no, I, I, I think it's really cool. I think it's, 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 it's crazy to have people like I would never have met other than, you know, if it wasn't for this show, 
that I know who they are and I talk to them and they talk to me and they like a thing that I made and and it's it's yeah it's super cool I don't have a lot more to say about it than that but it I, I'm I'm humbled and I'm grateful and and it's it's so much work but it's so worth it like it's 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 very cool it's interesting to think of even as a guest honestly because I mean I do another podcast with very low numbers it's a very niche podcast mm-hmm. it's basically current events so mm-hmm. there's not people going back and listening to you know a movie review from three years ago or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but this is one where, uh, you know, there's a much larger audience and I mean, thousands of people are probably hearing me say this right now. And that's crazy to me as a person who does not produce this show. Yeah. Well, and it's one of the reasons that I'm, I'm so grateful to have you guys on where it's like, you guys know, this is like a thing, right? <laughs> like you, you made the Facebook post asking for questions for this. And it's the first time I saw fans coming out of the woodwork to make comments on that thread. I also saw people saying like, "Oh, they're a fan of Phil," and that that blew my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, wow. Yeah, who'd be like, a fan of Phil? And the, well, not even not, not that <laughs> nice. I mean that, but I mean like that. <laughs> I have feelings. I, hey, man, I, I managed to make both of you feel bad at the same time. I had, I, I, I couldn't let that one go. Uh, but like you know that, and he and I are recurring characters on this show that has thousands of viewers, and that's even blowing my mind yeah people know who you are and i'm i'm gonna check out this reddit drinking game as soon as i get off this call yeah. so you might have to dig a bit <laughs> it's not that hard to find no <laughs> no yeah, um i i bring this up because i'm i'm no stranger to uh being part of an audience for uh online media yeah. and being in, engaging with creators mm-hmm. but also uh i've been dabbling with making stuff online since 2010 basically yeah and it's not often i get to talk to creators uh who are further along than i am right and you you've definitely surpassed any of my projects so yeah i mean it's really interesting to get your take on it well i, I yeah i mean i don't want to give anyone the impression that this is like a, a massive endeavor like it, you know it, it's a it's a pretty modest podcast all things considered well, sure. but like let me put it this way. You're two orders of magnitude yeah. <laughs> higher than me. Yeah, in my no, no, no. I, I, I get it. No, it's, it's. I At mean, least. it's it's surreal um, to some extent. Like I said, the, the pace of growth helped that it wasn't crazy fast. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's really cool making something that you know a lot of people are going to consume um, and that, you know, people reach out to you and let you know that they enjoyed. And, you know, I... I I wish more people would reach out. Listen, I, I see the download numbers and I know how many emails I get there. Yeah. They're pretty far apart. So, far apart. But yeah. that's that's podcasts though, right? Like oh, that's no, not yeah. I I don't mean to, you know, put my audience on blast. No, podcasts are it's terrible a, for that. Let, let me um, let me throw you some Twitch wisdom. Never yeah. call out your lurkers oh, because no, they no, are no. the core of your listenership. Yeah, yeah. And no, I'm no, not no. trying to in, insinuate that you are. No. I think no, I'm no, trying no. to insinuate that Adam really appreciates you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Like ninety nine percent of you guys are never gonna email me and that's fine. Yeah. I, I listen. I have a folder where I've saved every single email that anyone has ever sent me about this show. I, I, it, it, it makes my day when I see. Warms that. your heart. I, I, you know, I show my girlfriend my phone and I'm like, look, somebody emailed me today about H I one hundred one, and it, it absolutely makes my day. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's, it, like I said, it's, it's strange, um, and I don't always necessarily consider it when I'm doing this thing because it's easier to just think about. Uh, you know, you and me, you and me sitting down and recording a thing, and then it's it's just done, yeah. and um, put it out there and see what happens. But like, yeah, to see the numbers grow has been, um, just just the strangest experience in 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 the best way possible. So, yeah. Well, congratulations. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Good job, man. Thank you for uh, for helping me out with it. I couldn't do it without you guys. Um, so You're welcome. Shucks. Shucks. <laughs> Everyone's looking at the floor. Um. 
Yeah. Any other questions from you guys? Or I'm I'm happy to wrap it up there. We've been going way longer than I expected. Um, I had a question. I imagine that you have a lot of listeners who kind of cherry pick episodes, finding topics that they want to learn more about rather mm. than da- downloading every single oh, episode. I'm positive. Um, what's your most popular episode to date? <laughs> like, what sticks out from that curve? I would have to go back and look it up, but uh-huh. I think I think it's probably still uh, jazz. Yeah. Yeah. People love that episode. And, and I mean, there's there's lots of other favorite episodes, but I think I hear that one more often than anything else. I can see that. Yeah. Um, T has been making a bit of a... <laughs> a run for it. Yeah. I'm so excited it's, to get to that one. It's had a little bit of a run. Um, it but, might be my favorite one. <laughs> but jazz has for a very long time stood as um, the most often mentioned as a favorite. And like I said, I'd have to check the numbers, but I, I think it's... So pretty close to the top, if mm-hmm. not the, the top downloaded episode. So I also I'm very proud of that episode. It came <laughs> out very well. Yep. I liked it a lot. So, anyways, um, guys, thanks for helping me out with this. It's been a weird month. Um <laughs> in terms of just scheduling and yeah, whatever. We'll get back on schedule next month. I might be a few days late with uh, the first episode from October. Um, but uh yeah, we'll we'll get back on a normal schedule with a normal topic. Uh we're doing um or uh, Caesar Augustus's uh, civil wars, basically talking about the first few years he was in power because that was not a smooth transition, <laughs> and uh, it should be a very good one. I'm I'm really looking forward to putting that one out. So awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, once again, thanks for coming on, guys. My pleasure. <laughs> not a problem. Okay, so that's it for a Q&A episode. Sorry it ran so long, but we all had a lot to say about the show. Um, hopefully you found it interesting, but if not, that's okay. We'll be back soon with our old format. Uh, as I mentioned, part one for October might be a couple days late, but should still be in the first few days of October. And if you have further questions, hit me up on Facebook at facebook.com slash hi101podcast or by email at contact at hi101.ca. I'm especially interested to find out if that Columbus episode is something that people might want. And if you're interested in supporting the show, don't forget to go to our crowdfunding page at patreon.com slash hi101. I'm Adam Blesky, and this has been HI101.